Hello and welcome to the Min Max Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen and I'm joined by Kyle Hilliard. Just getting that energy out. Hey man, I love it. How how about the moon energy Ooh. is what we're talking about in this episode of the podcast. We got Suriel Vasquez. Well, the, all the energy. <laughs> Discord doesn't like that, but we do. Uh, and okay. we have Janet Garcia. Oh. There it is. Hot damn. We got a lot to cover in this episode of the MinMax Show. Too much, actually, for this week. And so what we're doing is there's going to be two episodes of the podcast this week. On this episode, we're talking about Knockout City, Final Fantasy Origin, very confusingly, uh, Biomutant, Steam Pal, Metopia, Shin Megami Tensei 3, and then a bunch of great community questions. But if you're listening to this and screaming, why aren't they talking about Horizon Forbidden West and other announcements? Uh, we are getting to those in another episode of the podcast that will be airing later on Thursday because we're recording this before Sony State of Play. So we'll have a bonus episode this week without community questions, just kind of a, a shorter one to kind of recap all of Thursday's news because it seems like Thursday is ready to pop, as they say in the biz. Um, but for this one, we just have too many games that we're, we need to get off our chest. We need to talk about here. Um, Knockout City seems to be... Maybe the most interesting? Eh, maybe that's not true. But certainly worth talking about. <laughs> this is the dodgeball game. They revealed it on... God, was it a Nintendo Direct or like Nintendo, you know, third-party partner stream, whatever the hell they call that. And it had the kind of confusing trailer where it looked like it was going to be a mashup of a bunch of different art styles. It kind of had like an incredible style intro where it's like, okay, they have like Call of Duty characters talking with pretty princess characters. What is this? And then it comes out and it's just a, a dodgeball game. But then the twist is that it's a very surprisingly solid dodgeball game that's available on everything and there's crossplay. Uh, Kyle, have you got a chance to check out Knockout City yet? No, I haven't. It was I want to. It's is it free? This is like a dumb question that I should have the answer to. Great question. Janet, is it free? It's on Game Pass. So it's okay. it's as free as it can be without being free, but it's currently in a free window. I think by the time you y'all might be listening to it, that may be over because there's four days left at the time of this recording for yeah, that okay. uh window it, of it being free. And it's cross platform or no? Yeah. Yeah. Cross play. Okay. Is, all unlocked. The gates are open. So I, I can play it on Xbox. Kid can play on Switch. Mm-hmm. And we'll have a great time. Yes. Is that what I'm understanding? Yes. There's some things. That is what we are proposing. Yes. There's kind of like <laughs> crews, which are like kind of like guilds, and I guess those aren't working for searching. Uh, we streamed this recently okay. for New Show Plus. By the way, you can check it on our YouTube channel. And so that's not working. But as far as I can tell, it seems like the crossplay is working really well. But yeah, Janet, like you mentioned, it is the wild thing of getting out of the gate and saying for the first 10 days this game is out it is free as a trial on every system which i think is an incredibly smart move it's like they realize that for a multiplayer focused game like this you need to get out and hopefully just have a sliver of that impact of like a fall guys just we need to make some sort of splash and i feel like ea who is publishing knockout city has really learned a lot of lessons from last year when they tried to release rocket arena and it was like, well, it's, you know, you got to pay for it, but then maybe we'll have some free week- weekends later on. And then it's only $5, everybody, but by then it was kind of too late, and I don't know how well Rocket Arena is doing right now. So even though Knockout City is still a paid game, I think it's a very smart mad dash out of the gate to try and drum up attention. But then the good news is that the gameplay can actually back it up, right, Janet? Are you enjoying this thing? Yeah, it's pretty solid. It's funny because I've kind of jumped between whether or not this is going to be something that's fully going to rope me in. I do think it's a good game. I've thought that since I, I originally played it during like its alpha or beta period. It had like a small window after the announcements. And I was like, oh, this is like very solid. I think it had 
has like great mechanical depth to it, but I don't know if it's going to, you know, rope me in because I'm not a multiplayer or online person. Like the amount of times I've been, I've played online, I can probably still count on both my hands. Wait, I'm talking to someone and playing a game. Well, what the um, hell? You're like a big Splatoon 2 person, right? Yeah, but like, it's Nintendo. You don't talk to strangers okay. on a Nintendo console. Sure, the like, talking you thing. Just, you get in, you keep your head down, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully not the whole time. And that's it. So I haven't uh, done a lot Close of Close your like, eyes, you take know, your hands off up. the controller and just let, exactly. let God take you let into the Nintendo and just let it go. multiplayer but go. at the same time, it's, it's funny because we, you know, we played for the stream and um, my my boyfriend's pretty into it. And he was playing with his friends and I could, I was watching him play and I'm like, I kind of want to get in there and play myself. So I don't know. It might it might pull me in, to be honest. Yeah, it, it sneaks up on you where it starts out. And it's like, OK, this feels pretty good to play dodgeball. I think I got it. And then some of like the finer details start to build up of like, OK, you can turn yourself into a ball and then throw a partner or be thrown, and then if that human ball hits a person, then they're dead or knocked out immediately compared to a normal dodgeball, which takes two hits. And then there's stuff like dodging. You can dodge into the balls instead of just catching them at just the right time. Like, there's enough details and kind of finesse there, the different styles of throwing, that it really starts overlapping in a beautiful way, where by the end of that stream, uh, I was really surprised like oh wait a minute we're all having a surprisingly good time it really will sneak Pro up on level you. athletes by the end oh we were basically unstoppable taking on the min max community but uh kyle you'll like it no questions asked because it has a glider in it oh okay i'm in Let me yeah. just download it right now i really think you'll like it it's, <laughs> it's really smart <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know what i was doing there okay yeah uh yeah, no, I, I want to check it out. It's dodgeball is a sneaky video game staple. Like there, yeah. you know what I mean. Like there was like there was there were always like there was one on Game Boy Advance. I remember those really big, weirdly, and like NES and stuff. And it's always that game that everyone's like, yeah, no, it's that that old dodgeball game was super fun. But it's not like a genre or a type of sports game that's at the forefront of my mind ever. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. Yeah, it turns out, oh, yeah, it's just a very basic idea where, like, they throw you into the game pretty quickly, and then there's a tutorial later on that you can go through. And, like, I think that speaks to the simplicity of it's dodgeball. You get the idea. You can catch the ball. You can throw the ball. Have at it. Uh, but there's still a lot more going on there. Um, but, yeah, it's from VLAN Studios, who uh, was founded from the creators of Vicarious Visions a while ago. And their last game was Mario Kart Live Home Circuit. And so they've been... On a surprisingly solid streak here. That's kind of the theme of Knockout City and Velen Studios is, oh, surprisingly solid uh, in so many ways. Um, but I think it speaks also to like EA having a pretty good 2021 so far. Like this is kind of the EA partner saying just like It Takes Two, which is also a game you picked up and played and was like, oh, this feels really good. And oh my God, this constant variety. And then even Mass Effect Legendary Edition seems like they got a lot of that Mass Effect goodwill back. It's kind of... You know, can we admit that EA is kind of good? Like, I feel like that's very controversial to put out there because people are so continuously annoyed at the microtransaction approaches in especially their, you know, marquee sports titles. And I get that. I can't relate to it because I'm not someone that even plays in that way. Again, mm-hmm. very local, very campaign. Uh, for some reason, despite being very young, I'm super old school with that. I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm playing my game. I'm by myself. Um, but yeah, they just, I mean, they, they put out a lot of good stuff and they have like, I think they're, they're really good at also assessing talent. Uh, I mean, I think EA originals in of itself too, you know, speaking like of, you know, having it takes two, which is an EA original, but it's kind of that, that indie double a space. Like they have a pretty solid eye for stuff and it doesn't always hit, but 
a lot of great stuff comes out of EA. Um, I'm so bummed that like EA Play is its own thing and not part of E3 this year, too. Right, right. Yeah, all that stuff is still confusing to me about what is part of what else. But I mean, right, even Rocket Arena last year, I think, was solid. Uh, it just didn't quite find that audience and didn't have me sticking with it for, for one reason or another. But um, yeah, it's interesting because like it, it feels like, you know, recently we heard about you know, Ubisoft shifting to like, we're only making incredibly large games. We're going even bigger and making fewer games. Uh, and Activision is kind of leaning into that model. But I also wonder that like, cause EA is one of the oldest publishers, like they've been around for forever. So it almost seems like, I, I don't want to say that like they're ahead of the curve, but like they're far enough in that timeline where they're like, we have, we have our mega hits, you know, FIFA ultimate team will make sure that everyone on our, like we have a payroll covered for the next decade or something. <laughs> uh, so they, and as like detritus from how much money they have from that, it's just like, well, we can fund these kind of more interesting projects and work with developers that are kind of smaller. And I'm curious to see if like, after whatever gambits Ubisoft and like Activision throw and see what comes of it, if they don't eventually shift to like, let's maybe figure out some smaller projects and try to fund some outside developers. And like, that'll be the cyclical thing because EA, you know, back in like 09, 010 with like Riccatello, like was sort of doing like, let's do some interesting projects. Let's get those mirrors edges, those dead spaces mm-hmm. made and partner with like, you know, Japanese developers and stuff to make some interesting projects. So I'm wondering if we're not going to see that trend uh, come back a little bit after everyone's like, no, we have to hunker down and try to make a, a, a like a mega hit if this is like the next phase of that. Right, yeah, and thinking about Activision, it was weird that it seemed like they were maybe going a little bit more in that direction with Sekiro, which now just yeah. feels like such an outlier of like, what was that Activision internal push that allowed that to happen? We're just like, for this brief window, Activision's like, let's find a really cool partner externally and fund them. Okay, great. Here's this one game, no DLC, moving on. Um, but yeah, if EA can just keep the kind of smaller projects outreach going, I think it's a, it's a good relationship there. Uh, Knockout City, everybody. There's probably still time to play it for free to find out if you like it. But uh, I don't know, Janet, do you have any predictions for where Knockout City is going to be like end of this year? I have no idea. If I have to bet on it, I'm going to say better than we thought. We initially thought, but not like a banger. Like, I don't think it's going to hit Fall Guys level. No. I don't think it's going to hit Rocket League level. Though also, you know, as as fans have pointed out, like it's it took years for Rocket League to be the Rocket League we think of today. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of where it's going to land. I think it will have relevancy. I think we'll be talking about it for game award stuff. Yeah. But it's hard to say how much that $20 price point, too, um, puts people off to wanting to try it if they didn't hit the 10-day trial. And I do think that there's depth there but i don't know if there's enough like variety within strategy within that depth to create long-lasting intrigue i'd be interested to see what does like a pro level um, knockout city player look like and what kind of strategies are they implementing versus like you know me who isn't isn't pro level because i think that it's going to live or die on whether or not there can be that meta fleshed out like Mm -hmm. i'm not the person that's going to be able to do that and i can't really see how that'll play out but um i'm sure other talented players uh will dig into that they have a tournament uh, on the schedule i forget when it's coming up but kind of like the first big like hey come on down for the dodge brawl tournament so i think that'll kind of be the real test to see what yeah, that they're actually, actually flying like. in the air like i'm wondering like how different does it look because like it's so it's such night and day sometimes when you see like someone who is in the competitive space play a game that you played a lot yeah 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 because i think the the most interesting thing about you know high level play for this game is going to be for me is because the like one of the most important interactions of this game is reacting to someone doing something right like mm-hmm. you have to catch a ball basically right and because like that action doesn't happen unless someone throws it i wonder if 
you know, high level play doesn't just have a lot of stalemates where people are trying to find ways to surprise people because it feels like if you're really good, why wouldn't you just be able to catch every ball thrown at you? So like, what is the what is the counterplay to like always camping? <laughs> Yeah, or if it's a thing where it's like three people are always just sticking together and they throw so many balls that one person can't catch them all. Yep. Or like, so I'd be I'd be very curious to see what high level like coordinated play looks like, or if it is one of those cases where it's just like it is very like the optimal play is very quickly found and solved. This is the game in a, in a way, and that isn't like oh it's fun to play, but it's like we kind of figured this game out really. Yeah, never know. Um, it is coming up on E3 season, everybody. And you can tell from official announcements coming hot and heavy this week and then also leaks. Fun E3 leaks are starting already uh, from our friends over at Fanbyte. Uh, Imran Khan had an article earlier this week uh, that confirmed previous, previous rumors uh, that there is a game coming called Final Fantasy Origin. Now, Kyle, don't confuse this with Origins, which everybody knows was that weird bundle of old Final Fantasies on the PlayStation 1. Which, was that... God, which ones were that? One and two. Was it one and two? Okay. Yeah, Um, I actually remember that releasing and it being a big deal. Maybe I just know a lot of Final Fantasy super fans, but it was like, I remember... And I was also working at GameStop at the time, and I remember people like coming in and being very excited for that. But that, That was the first time 2 was available in English, right? I think mm, not as four because because so. one and two because two was originally four or whatever right and this was like the 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 first uh, like localized release of like proper yeah. two yeah and then it was Final but Fantasy. this is a different game that we're talking yeah yeah this is something else <laughs> no, I'm gonna keep talking about this one like just literally ignore everything that was just said <laughs> this is Final Nothing Fantasy not Origin but, I mean the confusing thing about it is apparently and I know that's probably what you're getting to Hanson yeah. is that Origin singular the new game that is supposedly in development. Is, takes place in the world of the original Final Fantasy that yes. is like supposedly part of the league. Which is an idea that I love. So basically what this is, is Team Ninja, a lot of the Final Fantasy, Dissidia and T-Team, but then also some folks from Neo are making what feels like it could be Final Fantasy Souls. <laughs> like take some of that Neo formula, bring it to Final Fantasy. That seems Throwing like... some airships. Honestly, it seems like a match made in heaven. And like that idea of connecting it back to the first Final Fantasy is really fun. It reminds me of like Dragon Quest Builders, where it's like, oh, technically that is within the world of Dragon Quest One if the bad guy wins or whatever. I think it's a really fun, kind of loose way to tie everything together. But Yeah, because I think like the original Final Fantasy, there's not really a like a distinct plot it, or like or characters i mean like everything is archetypal and very boilerplate of like you have these mages you have to collect the crystals but there are, isn't like a a driving character or a lot a, a lot of pathos in like the people that you're interacting with it, it's like very much like oh you now you have this thing and you can go do this but there's no like oh what's the what are the themes or whatever here at play here it's just like typical final fantasy like typical fantasy adventure so i'm very curious to see like what this game does with that very like malleable but kind of in a way uninteresting world you know you know as not the biggest souls guy in the world i'm very interested in this um but then also as not the biggest souls guy in the world do you need that much of a hook if it's hey it's kind of like neo but final fantasy and you're going to be going through and the bosses are going to be final fantasy bosses and you can choose between a handful of classes Final Fantasy classes at the start of the game. Probably not as many as like a Dark Souls, but all right, you'll have your your main options there. That seems like a pretty ripe formula. I don't think you need to flesh out of a world to really make the most of this genre. 
Yeah, I think it's going to depend, obviously, you know, like how distinct are all the classes and stuff. But I think that it like if it doesn't have any kind of like interesting world building, I think it'll be the, the difference between like, oh, this is a good one of those. And like this is, you know, this really speaks to what I love about Dark Souls, because a lot of people like the lore and like digging into the world of that game. And even if you're not like that big a lore guy, that stuff still kind of makes its way to the main narrative in, uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I think that that that'll be where you know, where that's really important is whether or not this is like, okay, if you like those, this is another one of those and that's fine. And like, it's fun versus like, no, this, this is, you know, you know, top of class kind of, kind of game. Cause I think Neo, despite how kind of mindless a lot of it can be, I think has an interesting storyline and it manages to do enough different from souls that it's like, there are people who prefer the Neo games over dark souls. Whereas I'd be curious to see what this, what this does as well. Yeah. Yeah. It reminded me of like an earlier Area era of Square where do you all remember Final Fantasy Fortress, which was this canceled game that Grin was working on, the studio that made Bionic Commando, the reboot, and also Rearmed, which I know is a favorite of Surreal's. Um, but they hired out Grin, and they were working on an offshoot of Final Fantasy XII that was like set after the DS game, and it was called Final Fantasy Fortress, and then it all kind of fell apart and there's some some good interviews out there kind of detailing how am I supposed exactly to get into happened. this franchise like there's so many <laughs> oh, ends like i i would like someone to answer that uh the answer is final fantasy 7 remake realistically okay well, so I mean, do i just sit here and wait like do i play this next thing like what's my next move now like i did that um i think just play remake on ps5 oh wait because you you did it already all right yeah you could i mean if you're not tickled pink yet i don't know exactly yeah i mean it depends like you could maybe just wait until 16 and see how that grabs you because i did like and then depending to that i would maybe kind of see which ones i would recommend i think maybe 10 is maybe like my favorite classic final fantasy but if you've already if you've especially if you've already played 7 remake um but I, I would have to like there would have to be like a short survey of like what do you like in an RPG and then you, <laughs> what did you then, like ba- and not yeah like? based on that I can recommend like a specific type of Final Fantasy yeah. for you. Well, it's funny because every one is an entry point ultimately, right? Like yeah, it's, it's just not like, like you're missing out on story. Enough. You know, I I like fifteen a lot. I I if you like the combat in seven at all. Like, Hanson, you haven't even played it. You I'm don't get st- to shake your head and I've say, oh, no, fifteen so many it. times. Yeah. I didn't finish it. But even it. then, it's like, do you like, like, are you up for, like, a dude's rock, like, uh, you know, just guys <laughs> being dudes narrative? That's, like, Final Fantasy yeah, 15 versus 13. It's like, are you, like, did you like a lot of the very, like, sort of emo tones of remake then you'll like 13 but there's also like this idea that you know you might not like it because it's a little too up its own ass or, i am loving y'all spinning your wheels into the, i think on this I, one I, I think like there has to be like some amount of uh like a questionnaire but i i think yeah and you know i mean yeah. if you like spinning wheels there's a car in final fantasy 15 that is, <laughs> there more is. Than story, like, there's like so. some some hot gas station action too yep. in that game yeah. right that's a true thing that happens it's my favorite thing. driving game you get to push it into a, a shop to get fixed it's technically your dad that's a fun metaphor uh-huh um I, you're, you're fine Jan. i mean unless you're like the most hardcore person on earth and it's like i'm gonna go back and play all the highlights from final fantasy I think you're fine. You, you you thought whatever you thought of Final Fantasy VII Remake, <laughs> Final Fantasy Origin, apparently it's coming out for PS5 and PC later on. And according to this story from Fanbyte, uh, there's going to be an alpha demo this summer. You can give it another try there. Zero pressure, you know? You don't have to... So just go- anything that comes out 
like just just forget the past just keep moving forward yeah only yeah, focus totally. on uh final fantasy first soldier the yeah. uh battle royale and mobile i think that's going to be really the next test <laughs> yeah i, will, I have I will, to go on from here i will say though that i think a, quite a few final fantasies are on game pass so even if, if you just want to spend a weekend saying like playing the first couple hours of each one and then picking the one that resonates most with you like that could you could that could totally work yeah okay yeah. Oh, and honestly, ooh. if you like, if you care about the history, <laughs> starting up like Final Fantasy IX on Game Pass would be kind of a cool way to see some of the older Final Fantasy stuff in a somewhat more approachable way. Because you know that one's still fantasy and stuff. It's kind of the, the callback. But hey, no big deal. Um, but anyways, yeah. So this Final Fantasy Origins probably going to be at E3. But you know, Imran Khan over there, fanbite, dear friend of the show. Uh, he even hedges at the end of the article like, ah, things are in flux. You never know what could drop out at the last second. So it's not 100% going to be at E3. But this thing is happening, which I'm excited for. Yeah, um, conceptually, heck yeah. Sounds yeah, cool. for sure. Um, speaking of conceptually, heck yeah, we should learn about Biomutant. Uh, let's, let's all clap out and bring in a wonderful new cast. Y'all ready? Go for it. They're here. The Bio Mutant crew is here. Jeff Markia, perfectly Fava. in sync. Perfect. Whoa. Leo Vader. Hello. Kyle Hilliard. Hey, there was a Bio something N64 fighting game that I, was it Bio Freaks. There's Bio Freaks. Bio wasn't Freaks. It? Oh. Bio Freaks. Yeah, different mm. game. Want to yeah. make sure that that's understood. Up, Mutants up and Freaks, totally different. No relation. Uh, this is Bio Mutant, which is a game that was announced back in 2017, an open world RPG, action RPG specifically, announced in 2017, and Kyle has been salivating ever since that day, waiting for his chance to actually play it. And I feel like it has quietly just grown steam to the point of there is a surprising amount of hype for a game from a new team, Experiment 101, former Just Cause developers from Avalanche, and published by THQ Nordic, but this thing could really make a splash. Yeah, there was a weird stat a few like years ago. I feel like at this point, where it was like there was one time where it was like the most viewed game on IGN. I don't remember how that stat became public, but like people are really interested in it. I'm I'm certainly among those people. Yeah, and so the three of you have been playing it. Yes, yes. I'm right. like seven hours in right now. Okay, Jeff, how far are you? Well, the counter says three days because I don't think it stops counting when you put your Xbox in suspend mode. Oh, um, but I'm yeah, I'm in I'm the same up, boat. Yeah. In terms of like the main mission that you're going on, I think I'm about halfway through it. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Uh, Jeff, you seem to be maybe the most excited to talk about it. I have been completely blind on this thing. How is the fabled Biomutant? Uh, it's been a real roller coaster ride for me because like everyone else on the internet, I, I was strangely looking forward to it and really hoping that it would kind of become the sleeper hit. And I feel like the first couple hours, I wasn't that into it and I was a little bit disappointed. Um, and there are, there are still some aspects of it that I don't like, but it's slowly been growing on me as I, as I have continued to play. I think it kind of makes a bad first impression or just, you know, like not the strongest one. Um, but it, it has slowly been, been growing on me and I, I have been feeling that urge. Like I want to get, I want to play more of it. I want to play more of it right now. Um, and that's, that's been exciting. I, I'm really glad to hear that because I'm probably like two hours in and I'm like, this is okay. It lacks polish, but it's like it feels like a first effort for like a new studio. So like some of the animations are kind of rough, but like 
it's weird because even though like you're, I th- I agree with you in that first impression's a little rough, it, like I I was excited to talk to you guys about it because I knew you were further and I was like, this just feels like it just takes a while to get rolling. But I bet there's a point where this gets really sort of engaging and interesting and and I'm excited to hear you say that like it does start feeling better as you move along. At least that's what I interpreted what you're saying. I don't want to yeah. reword what you said, but. It's just the pacing or what is it about the couple hours? Yeah, I, I think it's, you just don't start with really any, many abilities unlocked and you're kind of, you, you know, you like only have one gun and one sword and it's, it's the things that I have enjoyed about the game. I'm still not super hot on the combat. I think that's the one thing that I've been kind of most disappointed by and it's it's not like a huge disappointment i'm just kind of ho-hum on it and that is it's it's like the shooting aspect of it it mixes shooting and melee combat but the shooting is kind of just like aim your camera in the general direction of a character and it's going to auto target on them and Mm. then you just kind of pull the trigger and it does a piddly amount of damage and it it it's just not super satisfying and i i kind of like shooting more in games than melee combat um but you unlock different weapons and you unlock different abilities and that kind of makes the combat more interesting and then the the thing i like the most about the game is the crafting and that takes a while for you to get the resources and to even just kind of figure out the system at play because i wasn't getting a ton of guns and then i realized oh no you're just supposed to be making most of your guns and you're like the customization is really important to it it's kind of like if you had if it's kind of like the borderlands arsenal except you're building each gun so you're getting like all these garbage parts and you're kind of putting them together and each piece like will affect the overall stats of that gun and how it handles and stuff and that's been really cool for me there's even a randomize button where it just puts all any different random part any different stock muzzle scope or whatever and it's fun to just flip through those and see all the different things you could make that's yeah. that's when i'm starting to like it more too is when i start being more attached to my guns and melee weapons that I've crafted and my actual abilities and loadout. Cause I agree with the, the slow start analysis. And I think part of that has to be do with um, when this game is trying to pretend to be a triple a game, I think is when it falls the mm. shortest. Yeah. And there's a lot of that in the start where it's more cinematic sequences with some QTEs that even if the animations were perfect, it would still not be fun. But then it's like a boring QTE where a bad animation happens. And it's just like, am I supposed to be immersed in this? <laughs> am I supposed to be interested in what's happening? It's kind of yeah. like powering through a lot of that early stuff to when it stops taking control away from you and you can actually explore the open world. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it It feels like it's trying really hard to kind of pass as a triple A game. And it's it's just not to that level. But the other thing that I I have liked from the very beginning is I love this world and mm. I love the idea of it. And, you know, like all of these little creature mutants are so unlike other characters in games. And I like kind of the Dr. Seussian, you know, vocabulary that they have for all these different things. Part of, I think the thing that I like the most about the game is just exploring these different locations because like you walk 10 feet and you discover a new little area, you know, with like buildings and stuff that that's made to kind of explore it. And that's the most fun part of it for me so far. I agree. Like going to a new place and seeing suburbia pop up is like so exciting because I just love exploring those destroyed houses. And you maybe will get in a combat encounter or two, or you might not. And you're just walking around, opening the fridge, getting health items, finding like a chest downstairs and getting checking off like the superb loot in the area. You found it. 
that has been super satisfying and fun. The only downside is as I play more, I'm seeing more of the same houses, like mm. prefabbed yeah. places mm. you're exploring are the same across different regions, but with the loot in different spots, which is maybe nitpicky for a smaller studio's massive game, but for it being mm. one of my favorite things in it, I feel like it's worth calling out. Yeah, I watched yeah, like Hanson, an, have you have you played it all or No, you, no, I watched like an overview okay. video and you know it kind of grabs you early on with just obviously, hey, you're a customizable, freaky looking raccoon with gun that knows kung fu. So there's a there's a good hook. Wong then, fu. I'm sorry, I, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, please Wong. forgive me. But then the wild but part it's is like the sort of the larger premise is like if you look at the movie Wall E. Yeah, but just leave that city where Wally's hanging out and just like go explore the wilderness. Like Ooh. that's kind of where you're at because it's like it's supposed to be a world that humans have abandoned. Like there's remnants of them; they existed. They're sort of like lore at this point, but it, yeah. it is like you know there was a company that messed up the world and the humans just abandoned it, and now all these like mutant animals like take have the have control which is just kind of a cool idea I love and your character is just like confused why they didn't take better care of the world they're like why wouldn't they yeah. try to fix it that's yeah. beautiful well the crazy thing is that like in that overview video right out of the gate the lead developer here for experiment 101 he's like uh yeah basically we're trying to make a breath of the wild he's just like very direct about like it's breath of the wild and then the combat's a little bit archimy like i just love when developers are like here's what it is everybody yeah. and so like i is there any of the that? menus i definitely saw like a paraglider and i was like well i i'm def- i gotta get that i gotta at least get that you know but that sounds like that conflict of the game then if it's like that's part of the vision and when they're starting development in the middle of 2017 it's like that's probably on the top of everybody's mind but then it's still they feel obligated to like ah we got to be more triple a and kind of hold that player's hand a little bit more but does it eventually start to give any of those breath of the wild vibes exploration wise i mean the breath of the wild thing like you can see it in some of the mechanisms i think though like the paraglider that you get there there are certain zone areas that you go where it will do damage to you if you don't have you know like whatever buff that you need you know like it like this area is irradiated and so if you go into it your iridium meter will build up but you can go out and find like different suits that have or like different armor pieces, different clothing options and kind of piece together something that will give you 100% protection. And then and then you can go back there and it's really cool that you can go around and explore that kind of thing. Um but you know like beyond that I I don't know that it's trying that hard. It's it's really telling its own story and mm-hmm. it's a it's a really weird story to the point where they tell you like at the beginning it's like this is going to be a weird story and there's a weird ending to it. So don't be surprised. <laughs> And and it, it it has been, I've I've found it interesting. Be, and one of my criticisms is when you first start the game, like the first mission that they give you is very rote. It's like there are these different factions out there. They each kind of have their light or darkness alignment. But you're gonna have to you're gonna have to basically conquer all of them in order to defeat these world eaters that are eating this tree. And and from there it kind of sets you on this path where it's like. You have to go to each territory and there's abandoned camp there, surprise, and you kind of fight your way through it and then that will change the territory into your color and then everything's fine and then you go on to the next one. And and that was part of my not liking the first couple hours because it's like, I've done this so many times, I don't want yeah. to do this. But then I realized that 
just kind of through exploring, I unlocked other things that brought me to those world eaters and kind of, I've already defeated one of them and I'm about to fight the second one. And it seemed like I kind of just totally sidestepped that aspect of it that they were telling me was important, but I'm not sure that it actually is important. Like it's, there's kind of a weird thing with the narrator and the narrative, and I'm not really sure what you're supposed to trust and what you're not. And that's been interesting to kind of figure out. Cause I was like, wait, I just beat one of these four like main world eaters. And that seems to be like the, the like, overarching goal of the game but i skipped the part that they told me i was supposed to do in order to do it yeah i'm still trying to get a sense are you recommending this game do you think people should check it out i mean yeah i'm i'm enjoying it i think you should go in with tempered expectations and it's not it's not the triple A game that I think we all were hoping it would be yeah. and that that it's kind of presenting itself as. But if the game looks intriguing to you and if what we have said, you know, nothing is a deal breaker for you, then definitely check it out or, you know, check out some streams of it and stuff. And if you're interested in it for the Breath of the Wild similarities, I would say be prepared for a little more collectathon type content versus more unique content you know you're still spying those landmarks and journeying towards them but it's do one of the fix this toilets plumbing one out of five times which is fine but it's you know a little more satisfaction of checking off those boxes and also the glider is just not as good mm, you go yeah. down way too fast it's not mm. horizontal enough and then you hit the ground super hard and it breaks your momentum you can roll out of it but it just doesn't feel great yeah yeah mm. But you can get a mushroom ability that makes these bouncy mushrooms that you can uh -huh. jump off of and get more height and then paraglide, which is... And you can also use them to kind of climb up the different buildings and stuff, which is fun. This seems nice. cool. Like, and some of, some of the other abilities are really weird. There's one where you, like, encapsulate yourself in a giant mucus ball and then you roll around and, like, enemies will stick to the outside of it as you roll over what? them and stuff. That sounds great. So it... So at the first couple, it's like, okay, you can get a fire ability and then you can get a freeze ability. And I was like, oh, this is this is lame. These aren't fun. Like I've done that in so many games, but I've never had a mucus ball that I've crawled into and rolled around. Or used so. Katamari as an attack. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's super fun. Kyle, um, let's see. Close your eyes and now punch yourself in the face. No, I, what is the legacy of Biomutant at the end of the year? Maybe five years uh, from now, how will we look back on Biomutant? Um, the the sort of I think that you make that customized character. I think people will really be drawn to and excited about. I think a lot of people are going to be sharing screenshots of like, this is my this is my mammal that I made. <laughs> this is my cute little guy. I've got like a leather jacket and two like Raphael Ninja Turtle size. Oh, wow. and I've got like I'm like kind of look foxy. I think that's the thing that people will be like sort of remember i don't know but it's hard to ask me because i'm not as far as these guys um mm. but i think I, that will be the sort of the key selling point initially you know i think that's a good point and the fact that when you have flashbacks you kind of see yourself as a child and play as yourself and it's just a small version of whatever character you created oh, it just fun. is a perfectly believable child version of your created character which is a very fun novelty and i hope and that sparks some developers imaginations you know I think the parents are also kind of modeled after you as well, kind of like the fallout sort of approach. Like right. my mother was like a red fox kind of character. And I assume that was because I chose to be kind of a red fox character. Um, um, I did want, I was curious 
what do you guys think of the way the story is being told? Because there's no dialogue, right? There's like mum, there's almost like Banjo Kazooie mumbling, and then the whole everything, the whole game is told by a narrator who, for whatever reason, sounds like the narration of Little Big Planet to me. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah. like, I, I don't Fry. know why. That's just I just feel like I don't remember who. It's a famous voiceover person who did Little Big Planet, Stephen but I Fry. feel like what's that? Stephen Fry. Yes, it feels like Stephen Fry is like, oh, look at these, look at these uh, adorable creatures. Oh, this one has a thought about something. Um, this is what he told you. So it's all relayed that way, and it's like an interesting choice. But I, I don't know if I love it. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of torn on it. I'm, maybe I'm just not used to it yet. I'm glad to hear they play with it a bit, but I also am kind of skipping a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. When I when I first started, there's a there's a slider in the options menu that lets you affect the frequency that he talks. And when I first oh. started, I was like, oh, I'm turning that way up because I, I find this really charming. and This is cool. And then I turned it down to like 20 and now I have it at like three because <laughs> the, he like it's OK during story moments, like big story moments and stuff. But then they throw out a lot of like fortune cookie crap of like it's always darkest before the dawn and stuff and like like they there's this incessant need to like keep on throwing stuff out there and it's and ninety percent of it is just junk and then during dialogue it and maybe this is just because I was an editor for so long but it's really it really bugs me because he'll he'll be he'll narrate the dialogue from the you know from the other person that you're talking to from his perspective but he he doesn't say like he says this or something he'll he'll say like angry that you took so long to talk to him and he it it's like dropping out the subject and just going straight into the verb and it it's that might just be a me thing, but it's very grating and it, it's very annoying to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I didn't know about the slider. I think that's very smart, and that and that basically addresses if I if I end up finding it kind of annoying. Good to know that I can just kind of yeah. turn it down. And, and if you turn you know? it down, it won't it won't like he'll still say all of the kind of main story stuff to you. Okay, so if good. it's important, he's going to say it no matter what. But you can turn that down and turn off all the ambient chatter. Yeah, it, it's wildly impressive that this is a twenty person team by and large is the way they describe it and they've been busting their yeah. heinies over there in sweden to make it happen so it's cool to to see an offshoot from avalanche and the just cause series like this yeah and and i mean when we say that like it it's trying to pass as a as a triple a game and it's you know it's not making it yeah it's like it's much closer than you would than you would think based on how small the team is and they they have done a really good job it's like most of these things are minor nitpicks that kind mm -hmm. of brought me down from my initial hype level but i've i have continued to enjoy it and it's it is a very large and interesting world to explore so they they've done a great job agree yeah like it, it it lacks polish but like i almost don't even mean that as like a huge negative like it's it's like it's like almost like the you know like a band that you really love like their first album which is like the most rough around the edges but maybe has like the most heart you know, like it kind of feels like like that almost and that they're like, these guys were really pushing to try to do something interesting here. And I can and I can sense that even if that animation's a little funky. You yeah. Know? And I feel like all first albums should just the first track should just be the band sitting you down and explaining the ending of this album is really weird. So really, <laughs> really brace for that. OK, one, two, three. Uh, all right. Biomutant, everybody available now. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Do you all want to clap out at exactly the same time? We can go on with the show. Beautiful. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Surreal Vasquez, 
Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne HD. That's right. This is a remaster. Featuring Dante from the Devil May Cry series. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you pay for him. Well, he's in. He's in this one. He's in the DLC. No, it's you have to buy him. You have to. It's DLC. It's oh DLC. Uh, yeah. He comes. It comes yeah. with the deluxe edition. Yeah. That's yeah. so absurd. Okay, so this is the remaster of 2003's Shin Megami Tensei, which is the Mama series to Persona. <laughs> is that the best way to yeah. describe this? This I, yeah, yeah, one they, of they, the Mother series to Persona. Okay, uh, but not the series Mother. Understand? Uh, no. No, I, this has been a pretty satisfying dungeon crawler so far. I'm still not super far in four hours, which is like a not a lot because uh, I think this game is supposed to be like 50 hours or whatever. But uh, it's very interesting how quickly this game just like goes to the like puts the RPG uh, slider to the max of just like in the first hour, I think the world ends. Uh, and, and like it's just you go from like oh I'm a high school student who's like investigating paranormal phenomenon and then you find out like oh yeah we've already you know executed a ritual called the conception that this turns the world into this like post-apocalyptic wasteland Tokyo and so you're just kind of running around like so many monsters and you're kind of like well I'm I'm what do I do now the world's over how do we deal with this is that why they have like I looked at the trailer and first of all some sweet world map action going on there. And then second of all, there's like freaking ghost rider riding around on a motorcycle. It's like some skeleton King. Yeah. There's a, there's, I mean, it has all of your classic favorite, uh, persona monsters, like almost from the go where it's like, here's a, here's Lily, here's Lilith. Here's, you know, like, you know, all the crazy, uh, persona, you know, designs that you're used to are actually Shin Megami Tensei, uh, things, but it's, it's been really interesting to see, like coming from someone who's predominantly played Persona and not a lot of Shin Megami Tensei, it is very interesting that I think for a while one of my issues with Persona was that, oh, these games are all kind of framed very similarly. They all have the basically the same premise and they all kind of follow the same path, which is why I think they've kind of hit for me like less and less over the years. Sure. Whereas this feels like a bit like this feels almost to some degree what I wanted is to something to break out of that formula and you know just be about something else besides like oh this this kid's going to school and he's trying to manage you know like you know keeping up appearances and being friends with everybody and then also dungeon crawling and this is all just like end game dungeon crawling of like you're going into these dungeons and filling out the map and recruiting monsters which is like a much bigger deal here where uh you have to talk to monsters and get them to join your team those are your party members um are the monsters instead of you know a, a, a collection of high schoolers um, but I think, yeah, I think to me, the most interesting thing so far is that post-apocalyptic premise, because you're looking for your friends um, in the apocalypse and you're not finding a ton of people like most of the people you find are like dead souls, basically, that are like, well, what do I do now? Or like, I'm going to heal you if you never talk to me, <laughs> which is a weird thing, because like all, all of your healing areas, you know, like you'll find the room with the save spot and that's separate from the heal spot. And the heal spot is either like a fortune teller you can pay to heal you or like some guy who's like, ah, oh, don't talk to me. If I, if I heal you, will you leave me alone? Uh, turns and out it's a it. PlayStation two RPG. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like the idea that, you know, you meet your first friend and they're like, well, you know, uh, I don't know what to do now. I was pretty popular in high school. Uh, I guess we should go find our friends. Classic. They're, they're probably like 90%. They're probably dead because basically everyone is, but I'm going to hold out hope. Cause it's like, what else do I have to do? Um, and like the way that this is very quickly like dealing with between like these two cults that are like at war with each other and how you're dealing with the remnants of that and you're you know talking with the monsters more readily so it's, it just feels like the monsters have taken over society at this point um, and like that's that stuff's been really interesting and a lot of the art design I think is very basic but really evocative of like 
very like uh i don't know what's the like it feels almost abstract in a lot of ways and kind of it looks really interesting yeah yeah from from everything i've seen and this is on everything or on switch or where is this uh ps4 and switch ps4 switch and pc i think okay gotcha Uh, and it's weird because i think the remaster even is at 30 frames a second which is kind of a weird thing you don't expect with the remaster but that hasn't been a huge problem i think if you're familiar with persona i think a lot of this is going to click into place really quickly where you're trying to find the like the spell that the opponent is weak to so you can get more turns and that's basically the premise like the the big thing in combat um but they have a lot of other systems at play like there's uh like you know um like as you're progressing like this this thing in the cor- in the upright corner always changes and that kind of changes like some of the the way battles work um there's a lot of like uh like just the, the fact that you have all these different uh monsters on your party and you can only equip four of them at a time uh, i think kind of changes a little bit uh, of the combat there's like the fusion stuff and that's different there's uh yeah so it's like very much it feels like a persona game you know if you're coming it to it from that series but i i i think i like a lot of the conceptual trappings of this series um a lot and i'm curious to see where it goes more so than i have been like the last couple of persona games because it feels like anything could happen yeah versus the world a persona game explodes. where it feels very locked into the like okay for now we're gonna deal with these you know series of bad guys and it's gonna be like a mystery but at the end it's like you, you fight god or whatever yeah uh, whereas this i don't know where this is going so it's been pretty refreshing yeah it's cool and a nice reminder that Shin Megami Tensei 5 is coming out on the Switch. I think yeah. last they said it was still this year. And so maybe we'll learn about that thing again soon. But I remember that was like one of the earliest Switch games shown. And it wasn't until pretty recently that they actually started talking about it again. But that's cool. Um, Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne, name of that one. Um, I was also playing a RPG on my Switch. Um, but it's kind of an old one. Did anybody ever check out Miitopia back on 3DS? Because they just updated it and remastered it for switch here but kyle do you remember what that was yeah i mean it was what is a spot pass is that the the me thing on the 3ds it's basically like let's turn that into a, a full featured game right yeah it's kind of like tamadachi life which was that popular game especially in japan and kind of just making a full rpg out of me's but it's just so bizarre yeah. in 2021 to play a game on my switch that's all about designing just a boatload of Mies. Because, like, all right, you start out with the main character and then you recruit more people along the way and you can customize each of them. Each area and town you go into, it'll give you, like, here's all the people in the town. You can customize any of them if you want. And it's just so weird to be going back to that same freaking interface from 2006 of, like, okay, I have my option for one face that has a mole on it. Okay, I remember that me pretty well. Um, and so it's kind of, if if, if I may, uh, Metopia is a bit of a RPG for babies, but very effective with a certain group. Like um, I played a lot with my nephews over the weekend and they could not have enjoyed it more. It's like that basic, I was going to say child, but I guess human narcissism about like, oh, you make (laughs) yourself and all your friends and put them in the game. And then it's like, oh my God, now I'm powering up. Now I have this special ability to protect you and stuff. Um, But I actually ended up having a pretty good time with Metopia for a couple hours then i found out that apparently it's 30 hours long it's like okay who'd you make in there Mm, well it was a a real big test uh so you know i let them choose so made like the two of them and then the next person that joined their party uh that was their mom and then the big evil bad guy you can put a face on him and that was their grandpa so my dad and then (laughs) uh then i got to be thrown in there uh eventually i was like the fourth party member and you get to like wow. choose your class out of the gate. 
And so they're like, oh, you gotta be the guy with the sword and shield. I'm like, that's so boring. You're already both the knights. Why would I also... It's like, make me the pop star. And they could not fathom that I would choose pop star as a class. They're like, no, no, this guy has a sword. I'm like, yeah, but this person's wearing like this flamboyant shirt and they have a microphone. They're clearly the cooler character. And it really also shattered clearly their Ben brains. Hansen. It's Thank like you. spitting a fish. Thank you for understanding. Um, but yeah, Metopia uh, and Grezzo is the team that made it or that ported it to Switch, which is like the Ocarina of Time 3D team and all that fun stuff. Oh, so. yeah. So what are they working on then? I mean, I wonder if that was a full all hands on deck. <laughs> yeah. Let's get Metopia over to Switch the last, I don't know. How long does that take? A couple months? A year? I don't know. I have no idea. But yeah, hopefully they're making something big and new in the in the vein of an Ever Oasis, even so. if it's not Ever Oasis 2. But um, also on the news front this week, did you all see that Steam Pal thing? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The little bit that's out there. So Ars Technica broke this story about apparently there's been like, you know, it's been mentioned in a bunch of code databases and stuff like that going through Steam. Um, but it seems like Valve is making a switch is the easy headline of this of making a portable portable PC that's a little bit wider than the switch and you can also dock it and hook it up to a TV and stuff but we don't really know too much about it beyond that other than like it's going to run on Linux of course because they love them some Linux. Kyle this seems like it's up your alley there's been you know plenty of portable PCs before but do you feel like Valve releasing something like this would turn your head? I mean, yeah, uh, that, that was my initial reaction was like, you know, I've looked into some of these from other companies of like, cause you know, I love portable gaming and I would love to play PC games in a a portable situation. I like it conceptually a lot, but that was my sort of reaction was like, this kind of exists. Yeah. And also like, I, I love Valve, but their hardware, uh, sort of legacy is, uh, middling at best, you know? It definitely reminded I mean, me of like that whole era of hype about steam machines. Do you remember how much yeah, time and the controller, we spent? Yeah. Like just nothing. And uh so like I, that's that's sort of my my cautiousness about it, but like I love the idea of like steam valve making their switch. I think yeah. I, like if it's a good piece of hardware, like I I'll pick one up for sure. Like I would love that. Um but I'm just like Everything they've done before that related to hardware makes me like, okay, well, let's wait and see what this thing is and when it when it gets announced, if it does truly exist, you know? Yeah, I think even beyond like the kind of Valve's, you know, wishy-washy commitment to hardware, uh, I think there are a lot of things about the Switch that we don't think about. Like, I think, you know, beyond the fact that it's like, hey, you can play your games on the go or in front of a TV, I think the price point of it was really appealing. And I don't know, I'd be very curious to see if Valve can pull off you know, that balance of like, this is a really compelling machine because it, it, like, you know, most of the games run fine. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it's not like a, a weak computer. If they can manage that and then have it also not be like $600 or something, because I think that would that would end up being a little too much. Uh, and how, like what the ease of use is there. Is, like, is it like, could you not only hook it up to a TV, but have it so, you know, cloud saves work well enough that you can play something on your PC. And then if like, you know, you, you want to go on the go, uh, you can like that that cloud sync stuff ends up working really well, so you can just take it and go and have that be your setup. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'd be curious. Is it obviously there's a lot of specifics? Yeah, is it going to be like the index where it's this really right. high level thing that is like good but just prohibitively expensive? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Weirdly enough, like what it gets me maybe the most excited about this Steam Pal as they're calling it right now, but who knows what it'll actually be called? But that's a very good name. Um, is thinking about like. 
you know, Gabe Newell's always talking about the benefit of creating hardware so you can create software that's tailor-made to it. Like, if they made a smaller Valve game that was like, the ideal way to play this is handheld, just some some cutesy little thing, uh, that's very exciting. Because it, it wouldn't be exclusive, obviously. It'd still come out on, on PC, but just having any excuse to maybe you know, kick some butts in gear at Steam to get something out the door. This might be yeah. another reason for that. Because that's what, you know, Index was for. They wanted to partner Half-Life Alex with that, even though the timing eventually didn't work out. But Yeah, I mean, and I mean, speaking of Alex, it does, it, like, they could totally make it exclusive for that thing of, like, if you want this Valve game, or, or like, what would probably end up being, like, a tech demo in the way that, like, you know, they, there's a portal and there's a Dota and there's, like, a, a Half-Life experience you can have only in VR. I could totally see them saying, like, if you want, like, another port, like, let's say maybe two hour portal game, uh, you're going to have to, you know, pony up for this handheld thing. Uh, I, totally I feel like it's going to fall into that. hundred percent would. <laughs> yeah. And I think people, you know, would do that, but I think the risk there is you fall into having like these games that are cool, but don't really feel like they stand alone. Uh, I feel like that happened a lot with like in the Vita and even to a degree, the PSP era where it's like, Oh, it's like this franchise you love on the go. And it's like, right. but it's not as good. It's like, do you want Uncharted, but the worst version? I'm like, nah, because the best version wasn't even that good. But um, I love the idea of, of of PC gaming without having to PC game as someone who does not. Even I do a lot of PC gaming just because of streaming and stuff and like ease of access with codes. But I don't want to sit here and play my games like for fun, for leisure. Um, I pretty much never PC game unless it's for worker content because mm. i spend so much time here that i'm like if i'm gonna have fun it's like the last place i want to sit no offense <laughs> to me sitting here talking to all of you right now yeah, but um i think that's that's pretty appealing but the thing is as, as far as price point it's always gonna feel like a little bit too much i think in the sense that you are paying for something that you very legitimately don't need to play the software and i think that's the yeah. big differentiator yeah that's true it's like oh it's a mobile version of what you love and but like the switch like there is no you, if you don't have a switch yeah you can't you, you're not you're not playing like a lot of these games yeah no that's a great point for sure and it's like yeah it'd be cool to have a new portal you know if it's exclusive that's obviously a big debate but if they just release a trailer and it's some schmuck playing portal in a park or playing portal 2 co-op sitting on a rooftop in one of their cool rooftop parties like the switch like reveal trailer like i feel like that would be enough to get some people very excited just seeing that in action just run through all of your favorite valve games but outside just think about it but that's the steam pal we'll see uh when and how that thing is actually released but uh some fun rumors um surreal do you know how this entire thing operates well i believe uh, I was talking to Imran earlier, and he he's able to confirm that it is through Patreon. It is because yeah. there were a There's lot a of story rumors. up on Fanbyte right now. Yeah, is that about true? How this whole thing operates. <laughs> Those dirty dogs got our scoop. Uh, it's Patreon.com/slash/MinMax with two ends. Thanks everybody who supports us at any tier to keep this whole indie operation rolling. Uh, especially thanks to the fine folks at Rainmaker.gg. Rainmaker is the all-in-one platform for streamers, developers, and publishers. If you're a streamer, Rainmaker gives you insight on your channel's performance and a full suite of streaming tools, including overlays, tipping services, chatbots, alerts, and more. For devs and publishers, Rainmaker provides powerful tools that help you analyze game performance and discover creators on the world's biggest streaming platforms head to rainmaker.gg minmax or hit the link in this episode's description to get started also thanks to our friends at fixture gaming they want you to know about the fixture s1 which is a, a pro controller clip that you clip onto the nintendo switch pro controller to actually be able to use that handheld and it attaches the screen to the top uh, it is a very convenient way to play with the pro controller 
on the go, which is what it's all about. You can head to Amazon or Fixture Gaming's website. Uh, it's available in gray or red and blue. It's $35, but you, you listening right now, can get $5 off the Fixture S1 if you use the promo code MINMAX. Two ends, all one word. So promo code MINMAX for five bucks off the Fixture S1. If you're listening to this in the podcast version, uh, you should at least Google and look at what this Fixture Gaming Fixture S1 is. Because I think when you see it, it's like, oh, I get why that would come in handy. That's a really cool idea. Um, but we're also giving one away. So if you share this episode of the podcast or your favorite piece of MinMax content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and use the hashtag MinMaxFixture, all one word. Midmax Fixture will randomly choose from everybody who uses that hashtag to ship out one Fixture S1. So thanks to the fine folks over there. Uh, also, thanks to Call Me By Your Game podcast. There's at least one video game that's close to your heart from an impactful, specific moment in your life. Call Me By Your Game is a podcast that dives into these very experiences. It's an intimate look at what makes video games special for different people. On each episode, our host, Connor McCabe, sits down with a guest to discuss a, pl- a special game from their past. They dive into what the guest loved about the game and also what was memorable about the time in their life when they first fell in love with it check us out wherever you get your podcast and maybe someday you'll call me by your game last two episodes just to show you the range of this podcast were about pajama sam and madden 2004 so this hell yeah it's, it all depends on the guest it's a good podcast there uh, so thanks to the folks that call me by your game also thanks to i am 8-bit they want you to know that you can get the manifold garden soundtrack on vinyl the double album with stunning architect- architectural pop-up album art by the fourth focus uh, is available on i am 8-bit's wonderful online store there's a limited edition of these only 1,000 are made uh, the music is by larissa okada and the vinyl soundtrack also includes the digital download if you don't have a record player you just want this beautiful manifold garden soundtrack on vinyl and then you can actually listen to it on your computer that's a good way to go and as always you can use the promo code tax day tax day no space for 10 percent off everything in i'm 8-bit's wonderful online store under 100 dollars and because they're so generous every single week they ship out a wonderful prize from their store to the minimax community everybody who supports us even at that two dollar tier uh can submit a question for us to go through and that person will win a great prize and this week it's a mystery prize from IM8 Bit, so you don't know what you're going to receive. But Kyle, mm-hmm. it is your job to remember every single question we get here, and then uh, remember our absolute favorite, and then IM8 Bit will ship out that wonderful prize. Are you ready? I go. will do that. Thank for you. you. Holden Hints submits a question, and he says, Minneapolis Maximus, hello. Uh, what's a video game you've doubted you'd ever like, but then turned out it's one of your new favorites? Simple question. FIFA. FIFA? I don't. Oh, yes. that's a good answer. I don't really. Um, I don't really follow a lot of sports. I have historically followed like soccer more closely than any other sport, and I've like fallen off, and I'm trying to get back onto it. But um, that, and then like a shout out to also Madden, where I was like, mm. hell yeah, that was not an ironic hell yeah. I did play a lot of either Madden in 03 or 04 because I, you know, I'll, I'll try to keep it short, but I always gamed with my brother who's six years older, and uh, I was really heavy into like smash melee and mario party literally i would ask my brother every single day to play those games with me and for for melee we would play like only the two of us 64 man melee it was hours oh my god hours of work that sounds so um, fun i tried doing that as an adult i didn't have the stamina i don't know how i did it <laughs> but uh, in exchange he's like okay well will you play madden with me and i was like sure you know like why not uh and i was so 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 awful when i first started and eventually i got like 
good enough where we could have competitive games. And I, and I really didn't end up enjoying that. And uh, I don't play Madden anymore, um, but I do play FIFA, which I picked up only a few years ago. And now I've been playing every year. And it's like one of my favorite games and one of my most played games every year. Really? That's stunning. Yeah. I mean, did you play like Mega Man Soccer? Did you have like any built-in love any for like soccer, soccer games? Like- yeah. Strikers, Not maybe? Really. I, I think really with soccer, it... it was kind of a combination when the World Cup happened around that era, um, and I forget which year. I mean, twice sixteen, fifteen, fourteen. You know, those who really follow the World Cup would probably know the year. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? I think I want to get into this, and like, just culturally, you know, being Mexican, soccer is such in, in most places in the world, South America, soccer is such a huge sport. Like, my dad is like a huge soccer fan. Like, he has a custom license plate with his Liga MX soccer team. So I oh, definitely wow. grew up around soccer in that sense and i was like all right let me like try to get into playing this my brother also wanted to play so i was like sure i'll play with you why not and then i'm like i kind of like this and i'm like let me learn the actual game which helps you get better at the virtual game because you start to like be able to eye stuff um yeah and that's basically just how i got into it and like soccer became very fun once you like understand how to read the field because otherwise it it is very boring because you're like i don't get it nothing happens for most of the game and people get excited but i don't know what they're cheering for but you can you start to see the plays uh and it can be really fun to watch it fold that's a good one man i never would have thought of that uh yeah i'm trying to think i mean one that i doubted i'd ever like i kind of held my nose up at call of duty for a long time um and then it wasn't until like the first i'm trying to remember how this math worked out yeah the first cover story about Call of Duty that I went on back at Game Informer, the first like cover story trip, was for Call of Duty Ghosts. And so I played like Modern Warfare 3. And it was just like this moment of like, oh yeah, like I always thought I wouldn't enjoy Call of Duty games, but I do enjoy just like short campaigns that are pretty simple, pretty smooth. You're never going to hit too many gigantic obstacles at like the normal difficulty. And I've really enjoyed playing those campaigns, you know, largely ever since then. Uh, so I, I'm glad I got over that hum, but this one jump out for anybody else. Yeah, undermine yeah. recently and then Ooh, Returnal. Yeah. Like I didn't, I never thought I would get into those games, but Returnal is probably my game of the year at this point. Oh wow, yeah, we have a uh, Max spoilers coming up on Friday where you talk all about the ending and stuff. So if you've beaten that game, oh, yeah. tune into that. Yeah, I, I I honestly didn't think I was gonna like Kentucky Red Zero as much as I did. I think the first because I played the first two episodes like shortly after they released. Yeah, and it was definitely like in a mode where. I, I, I guess I wasn't really like that much into text heavy games where I was just like, oh, okay, this is like interesting and I like the writing, but it's like, I don't know, this seems a little too low key for me. And then, you know, going back and playing it, you know, na- uh, last year, I like, I was blown away by it. So it was definitely one of those things where, you know, sometimes you're just not in the mood for a game and then you pick it up again and it's like a, a completely different experience in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Gio Benogi submits a comment over on Patreon and says, I've heard combat and or movement in games described as floaty. What exactly does floaty mean? And what are some of your favorite ways that developers can combat that feeling? Oh boy. I, I, it's not always a, a feeling you want to combat, but I think that floaty, I think because in action games, you want things to be really quick and responsive. I think floaty is almost like, you know, literally, it can be you're in the air too long after a jump, and that kind of messes with your timing of yeah. like, oh, I, I, I'm, I jump and I kind of expect to land at this moment just from having played other games. It just feels like the, a a jump should take less time, just literally. Uh, and then, like, yeah, when games don't follow that very quick and responsive rule, it can feel kind of like the game is off in a lot of ways. The old Little Big Planet platforming, as maybe. <laughs> Number one example in my yeah, mind of the game that's just too floaty. What? Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and it's like a, yeah. a, a one way to Wait, one way Janet, to are you defending is, uh, platforming yeah. Little Big Planet? Well, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Kyle speak on it, but yeah, no, I don't. I kind of I like to disagree, like disagree, like disagree with LBP on floatiness. Wow. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I love LBP, but I I think floaty is. I don't even think it's necessarily a negative thing necessarily. Sometimes you know, like it's just it's just how it plays. But I, I think it's kind of undeniable with the original <laughs> Little Big Planet. But it kind of like, I guess um, but, it kind of fits the tone of that game. It's like, it's well, also for, kind of loosey-goosey to begin with. It is. Yeah. It's a little, it's floatier than I think a standard platformer. But I don't, I don't personally, like when, in terms of the question at least, like yeah. when is something too floaty? Like I don't, for Little Big Planet, I think the reason isn't, I wouldn't necessarily describe it as, oh, the this is floaty or whatever. Is it, is it fits in keeping of the universe. I think when a game is mm. like, how do we know a game is too floaty in a, in a jump? It's when the gravity and the overall feeling isn't supported by the surrounding yeah. space and the universe that you're, you've created. And then the secondary thing for me is when the sound design doesn't support the feeling for the player. So a, a big part of feel comes through sound and that's what makes like the dual sense so cool because it can kind of help elevate that um and so much shout out to sound designers for doing like so much great work that actually carries a lot of a lot of games in a lot of ways but yeah like even something as simple as having like a landing sound like if it doesn't if it doesn't fit right it feels off it feels like something's not happening the way it should be like you don't feel a weight when you land i think is what adds to floatiness for me if there's no weighted feeling yeah. and i guess with little big planet i do feel eventual weights when i drop like it is it is more you know gravity defying than mario or like 3d world or whatever but i don't i don't pick it up and immediately say oh this is like kind of you know weird and that's what i think of when i think of floaty when it's kind of throwing me off a bit yeah yeah, yeah sackboy's definitely a lot I, better on the front but yeah yeah I, there's also like the idea of how much how much like freedom do you have during that jump so something like little big planet i think one of the reasons it does feel so floaty uh, is because it's intentional because it you're meant to be able to manipulate the arc of your jump uh, which makes platforming easier and more accessible you know versus something like Super Meat Boy where it's like you do have that air maneuverability but the amount of time that you have to mess with it can make it seem really difficult um, and like it, it all depends on like how like if you're jumping and then it takes you forever to land and there's nothing you can do about it I think that's the worst feeling right um, but you know it depends on what you can do in the air so something like Devil May Cry which is not explicitly a platformer can have really floaty jumps because there are certain parts of it where you are in the air for a long time, but there are ways to mitigate it. Like there are ways you can just slam down on the ground really quickly. And you know, that time that you spend in the air, you can use it to use air combos. And so like, there is a purpose for how floaty the jumps are because you have options in the air. Um, uh, so I think it, it all depends on the game and how the game uses it. I don't think float is inherently bad, but I think sometimes people tend to use it as a pejorative because it feels like out of step with like, um, they usually use it for jumps, so it, it's meant to say like the jumps are slow, which is what I think what they tend to mean, and you don't have a lot of agency. Yeah, yeah. Thinking about like sound design and the disconnect and stuff, it's such a weird detail, but it, it'll always stick with me. Where for Borderlands Two, they have like the different uh, manufacturer of all the different gun, uh, different guns and stuff, and one of them is kind of like the junky company that makes kind of like trashy guns and stuff. And I remember talking to the sound designer on that team and they're like, yeah, we realized the secret to make the gun feel junkier because it's kind of a tough thing to get across is we just put more of a delay between you pulling the trigger and then the sound of the gun actually going mm. off. Like that's the only difference we made and suddenly just this gun feels like a piece of crap in your hands all of a sudden. It's <laughs> such a smart little that's move. That's funny. 
Um, Isaac Fox writes in and said, would anyone on the panel want to see a Dead Space trilogy remaster? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, of course. Yes, I want, Isaac, here's what I want. I, Dead Space trilogy remaster, and I just want just everything in it. Just everything. Put the movie on there. Put <laughs> the crappy Nothing Xbox big. Live Arcade game. Ooh, Extraction. Uh, the Extraction. mobile game. There's a mobile game that you can't play anymore. Put that in there. Uh, the Wii game that eventually got ported to PS3 that was an on-rail shooter. Yeah. Uh, put the full comic book in there. Just, just all of it. Yeah. Just make it like a Costco level did. remaster. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like back game in there. <laughs> they can call it like the anthology collection or something. Like it just collects everything in one spot, and I would happily buy it. Yeah. I think it certainly feels like that would be up next. Like EA seems to be slowly inching into the remaster world and. That seems like that'll happen within four years. Would anybody bet yeah, that I'm it's not happening? It. I want to replay those. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to have an experience. I've never played them, so Ooh. that'd be convenient. First one holds They're up great. pretty well. Yeah, I think there's some... Yeah, I think the best one. Yeah. I'll probably dip into them. Like, I have, like, light plans to play those pretty soon. So hopefully, if they do remaster them, it's not so soon that I feel salty. <laughs> like, just far enough away that it, it's of value, but we'll see. I was actually thinking specifically about the ending of Dead Space 2 and like went and looked it up again. It like if I were to like think about like my favorite endings in video games, Dead Space 2 would be like in the in that list, like in really? the top 5 top 10. Just the way it concludes, the way you feel, the way you completely abandon all hope in the last 10 minutes of that game and then it comes back and the way it calls back to the original game. Uh, it's so good. It's it's so so good. Wow, there we go. Um, yeah, in the realm of like remasters that we can expect sometime soon, I was listening to uh, Kelsey Lewin's podcast, friend of the show, uh, the Video Game History Hour, which is very informative. Every episode is just like a, a bit of a deep dive into a topic that not many other podcasts are talking about. Like the last episode is all about um, Dark Watch and the history of Dark Watch from High Moon, the developer that went on to be a Call of Duty support studio and also be the Transformers Wait, games. is that like the Vampire FPS? Yep, yep the Vampire right. Spooky Wild West game from back in the day. But With like, uh, Blur Studios made a really cool intro for that game. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a time and a place. Um, but I was thinking, like, yeah, I mean, we always talk about Activision running out of games to remaster other than Guitar Hero. But it's like, oh, they own the rights to Dark Watch. I could see that being, like... Just kind of, hey, I don't know. We'll test the waters. Let's see if anybody's interested in HD Dark Watch. I think I could see it happening when we get to the bottom of that barrel. Uh, Chris here submits a question over on Patreon. Says, Ben and the beauties. Thank you, Chris. But I guess I'm not a beauty, but that's fine. Um, What moment in a game that either... What moment in a game that either... (laughs) Hang on. What's tough about reading... What's tough about reading questions is sometimes you try and get ahead of it, and it's like, I'm going to, I think there's a typo here, so I'm going to try and fix it on the fly to make them seem better. But other times, I'm reading it, I'm not sure if it's written in a funky way. So I'm going to read it as is, and we'll all just let the chips fall where they may. Chris says, what moment in a game that either were your mostest gut-wrenching or broke your mind? So just, Okay, either of those two things. Like a okay. gut-wrenching moment. Or broke or your broke mind. Or broke your mind, yeah, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I get the, idea. the end of Metal Gear Solid 2. Absolutely. Let, made me question my own reality. Oh, like in our <laughs> sequels. And the sequels really gets you. <laughs> yeah, always the ending uh, of the sequels is Kyle's biggest kryptonite. But you're just talking about like yeah. Arsenal gear, you know, uh, just the phone calls, I'm sorry, the codec calls from Campbell just and all that like stuff. The game feels like it's breaking while you're playing it, and that's yeah. all 
consistent with what's going on in the world. It's so effective. It's I loved it. Is it? I mean, it's scary, but I'm trying to remember now, like, is it just scary because there's like a flash of Campbell being a skeleton or it's scary even no, it, before it's that? it's scary because the people that you have trusted for the last yeah. 20 hours, now you question their, do they exist? No, it's not you know even, it's I mean? not even like, do where question, am I? What is this? But it's well, not just that. It's, I question, do I exist as a human? Am I playing this game right now? Or And what? that bled out of the TV into my real world. <laughs> I looked around well, my brother's bedroom and thought, "What am I? What am I doing right now?" Well, so yeah, it's, I think it is answer? like the fact that it, it feels less like the like it feels like the game kind of shifts perspective and is talking to you, yes, the yes. player, yes, in, in a way that like you know video games try a lot. You know, like they'll be like, "Let's break the fourth wall," but I think this is very much like a. Uh, like somewhere between that and like I'm going to give you a manifesto that feels very out of step with what you were doing Mm -hmm. so it just feels like you have entered this completely different realm uh, of like narrative that that games just don't do like even even after (laughs) Metal Gear Solid 2 it just feels like like what if you suddenly read like a a book of philosophy while you were playing this game and it just and it it was like this in a weird like the, the thing about that is you know it was very prescient but it did feel like, what if we sent you down this conspiracy rabbit hole, like apropos of nothing, it mm-hmm. felt like at the yes. time. Yeah. yeah. What if we explained to you why Twitter is going to be bad for like 20 minutes? <laughs> yeah, it's like if a game basically like for like, you know, Jack and Daxter basically had the character sit you down and says like, look, one day you're going to die. And this is what it's going to feel like. And you should, like, hope for, like, like it just feels like... I think that happened in uh, Combat Racing, right? That's like yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. You don't finish Combat Racing, so... Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually haven't played it. Um, you know, it's funny oh, wait, with MTS, quick aside, too. Janet, I, I played it within the last two weeks because the whole bundle was on sale. So I played the first Combat hour racing? of Jack X Combat Racing. How was it? <laughs> uh, it's not good. <laughs> All right, I can't wait. <laughs> See, I was bummed out by it. You weren't saying give um, me some more? I'm excited more? to be disappointing. But like M- MGS2, it's funny because I can barely remember what that ending is. Like I played it when I was really young. Yeah. So I like I have really a really incredibly vivid memory of the opening of that game, a few of like the bosses, and then it kind of like starts to sort of fizzle out. Um. So I- I've been wanting to replay this. So I'll I'll let y'all know if it if I re- <laughs> I wonder if I'm gonna start remembering what happened. But it- there's a lot of like mind bendy stuff in Metal Gear in general. It's pretty pretty wild. Yeah. But that that seems like peaked me and again it's the classic conundrum by classic i mean one that maybe we've talked about in min max council our patreon exclusive podcast a couple times of like there's maybe no game i'd rather do a deepest dive on than metal gear solid 2 but we would probably need to do one and two like jumping to two i feel like you'd be missing some good discussions it'd be a little bit weird and i love one dearly but i'm not as excited to replay one and talk about it as i'm too but maybe in the future at some point um Aesir lord thor uh itself writes in and says what's your favorite series that you've played the least of this is an interesting question i don't know if they're talking hours or like entries i kind of read it as entries probably well, zelda final fantasy oh i'm so you go first <laughs> oh okay sure uh i'm gonna say zelda because i i've only really played I beat Wind Waker, like 98% sure I beat Wind Waker. Again, childhood. <laughs> it kind of blurs. It just, what did I finish? I didn't write hey, it down. You know, I didn't think about it. wrenching endings. You probably remember that ending. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. It's just that it all blurs together. Um, like the only thing I really remember is Madden <laughs> from that era. But <laughs> yeah. that, uh, and then I played 
like part of Majora's Mask, but I didn't finish it because I got intimidated by the water temple. Everyone's like, it's so hard. I'm like, I don't even want to do it then. I just never stop playing. Um, and then Breath of the Wild, I actually still haven't beaten. So that's probably Ooh. my favorite series that I just haven't really seen a lot of those titles all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. Just dead. I'm 80 one. hours into Breath of the Wild, though. Like, don't at me and say, like, oh, you didn't play Breath of the Wild. No, <laughs> it was launch day, day one. I was there putting my Joy-Con on incorrectly. I put the straps on upside down the first day I got it. Smart. I was there. I jumped off. We had the glider. It happened. But I just, I'm too beast and I never finished the last two, so... Just do it, we'll Janet. See. Just do it before. It's going to be so much work because like, I want to do it like, you know, I could get it done. Right. But I want to do it the way that I want to do it, where I'm like exploring. I'm buying like, uh, you know, I'm dying some fabric like I'm trying to do it at my <laughs> leisure pace. But I'm waiting for Nintendo to put pressure on me with Breath of the Wild 2. Mm. Like until you give me a reason, I'm not going to rush to get yes. back into finishing Give me it. a ticking clock to beat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Kyle, yours is Final Fantasy? Yeah, I mean, I've beaten 15 and 7 Remake, but every other... And I've dabbled in just about every other one. I've probably played about two hours of every other Final Fantasy game, uh, at least. Some more than That's others. That's wild. But yeah, I would have thought yeah. you played, like, all of... Like, the way you, like, talk about it. No. I just... I defend 15 because it has this weird reputation where people are down on it. But I, I really think 15 is very sweet, and we're, I really like that. Yeah, we're only down on it because we know how good the other ones are, Kyle. You you got to finish it, man. <laughs> I know the ending's good. I I, I hear it all. Well, you're the, time. the person that doesn't finish the rest of them, isn't that like? <laughs> yeah, you should. Yeah, but really... I'm not. I'm not. I'm not bad mouthing Final Fantasy Nine. All right, I'll give you that. You're right, <laughs> Kyle. Honest, I'm not trying to shame you. I promise. Have you ever seen the ending to Final Fantasy VIII? This is a question for yeah, Kyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I have not. It is so good, and that's one that. I mean, if you played through it, that would be fantastic. But at some point, just look up like the ending cutscene to Final Fantasy VIII because it's my favorite cutscene, one of my favorite cutscenes of all time, where it's just the group all celebrating and it's all shot like a character has a camcorder at the celebration party. And it's just like these weird, candid looks at all the characters. It is the sweetest thing. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this is a weird one, but Serial, what I thought of is um, I <laughs> all of my summers now over the last couple of summers, I've just been devoted to playing Marvel vs. Capcom 1. And then I realized, like, oh, I don't know if I've ever played Marvel vs. Capcom 2 in my life. And I've maybe played two rounds of three, and I played maybe an hour of Infinite Story. And that's about it. And so it's yeah, weird to just focus all in on this on the first one. But that's Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because I, I honestly think three would be you would like three more if you could play it more easily because i think the character the roster of that game i think is probably more attuned to you because like tron bond baby yeah it's well yeah it's got tron bond it's got phoenix Wright in it which is like i don't know how much you like phoenix Wright, uh but it's just just the fact that he's there is like really interesting it's got deadpool it's got nemesis uh like there there are a lot of interesting choices in the roster of that game yeah Uh, and so i think you get a kick out of that but yeah like that first one is definitely like it is it, it's not the best one but i do have a lot a lot of nostalgia for it because it was the first time where it's like i like spider-man and i like i like ryu like this is this is my dream game uh you know and yeah i, I can definitely see why you would get wrapped up in it for sure yeah and i still i always appreciated learning about three and seeing gameplay videos of three and stuff and i know we're all maybe some of us are kind of dead pulled out now but the first time I saw that attack in three where Deadpool grabs his health bar and beats the enemy with it. It's like, that is yeah. just the most fun you can have in a fighting game. I love that stuff. Um, did you have a series in mind, Serial? Uh, I, th- I think it would probably, 
be a guilty gear because I, I think mm-hmm. I've only played Exerd for any significant amount of time, but I think that there is something about that character, those characters that I think I really like. Um, oh, you, you, you know what though? I think it's actually King of Fighters. I mm-hmm. think King of Fighters is one of those series where I've played 98, I've played 2002, and I've played 13. Um, but and, and I wouldn't say that like they're, they're my favorite games, but there is something about that series that I think I kind of grew up with, you know, in arcades. And I think that series is like tied with Mortal Kombat for character designs that I just have a ton of love for. Like, I like the way it's just like kind of the closest to these people are actually wearing street clothes. It's kind of heightened. It's like very like uh, what... I think the Japanese called Chunin, which is like very kind of teenage cool where everyone's wearing a lot of like new chokers and like uh, like uh, uh, chains on their kind of on their pants and stuff. But it, it it feels like this is a cool version of actual people clothes. And I just I like a lot of the designs in that in that series. And I like the characters a lot, but it's just like I'm I'm hoping that 15 at least finds a way to make that stuff really a appealing from a gameplay perspective beyond like i really like the look of these characters yeah fielding submits a question over on patreon and says hello friends how do you think game review scores would change if they were written in a complete vacuum with nobody knowing how others are have rated the game do you think the reviews would be more varied or would there be little to no difference this is an excellent question fielding well i feel like i i guess it depends on like does he mean professional reviews because i feel like yeah. that is a large part of what happens at this point i like, think I he's talking about like, professional reviews yeah yeah, I, I would say that, like, for my part, and I think for what I've experienced from other people, it's like, that is kind of what ends up happening in, in a lot of cases. And there are some conversations that happen between, like, hey, uh, I'm stuck here. Do you know what's going on? Like, I had someone reach out to me about a, a thing recently of, like, I don't know how to solve this thing. Uh, but for, in, in large part, I think that there is that vacuum effect going on, at least for me personally, speaking to myself. Like, I, I don't look up anything about games that I'm interested in reviewing uh, after I know that I'm reviewing them. Uh, and I don't... I generally don't talk to other people about games i'm reviewing so like for me a lot of my reviews end up being in that vacuum and and in a lot of cases like you don't know who's got access to what so you don't want to make that question about like hey do you know about this and they're like we haven't gotten the game yet (laughs) uh but yeah for me i feel like that is what ends up happening for me in most cases well i think it's also kind of asking like if no one ever saw your review like you know, like this, I think that that's how I read the question, like Ooh. not only in a vacuum, which I still think it's good, Cyril, that you pointed out, because there are a lot of people who don't who like, I don't know if they think we're all like in one like group chat, like, hey, who's reviewing that? Like that doesn't happen. Like every now and then maybe I will know like, oh, so and so is also reviewing it. But that's very rare. Like I'm not none of us are, to my knowledge, hitting up like I'm going to talk to all my friends at this other outlet and like find the reviewer to talk like that doesn't happen. Um, But to me, I read it as like, if no one ever saw your review scores, do you think they'd skew higher or lower? Um, And I think they might skew a little a little bit lower um, if no one ever saw it. Um, Only because for me, when I review a game, I feel like they'd be actually mostly the same, to be honest, but like with a slight, slight, slight dip lower, because for me, like when I'm reviewing, I, I do try to be really tactful and acknowledge all of the good and all the bad and also look back at the scale too like that's a big part of um how i've experienced reviews of okay what how does the this outlet define this number or this title or whatever and where does it fit so like you know i think it's a lot about review scores that the audience doesn't know like for me personally reviewing i don't know the score of something until i'm done reviewing it like so i usually have a sense like plus or minus of one number, but I write it and I don't actually ever tell my editor what I'm thinking of scoring it. I ask them what it reads as. And then we have like a conversation and, you know, that's 
that's the degree of input as well. Like it's very, I've never had an editor tell me, oh no, this isn't, you know, that's not the right score to give it or something. It'll just help inform where I land or if I'm in between something, I'm like, okay, well, they think it reads like this. Well, let me like clarify this part or hi yeah, it's, it's already very, everyone's already keeping it very real. Like I said, maybe it's skew a, a smidge lower, but I don't know any reviewer who isn't just like, this is straight up what I think and I'm putting it out there. Like, yeah, reviewers don't care what y'all, y'all are going to be mad anyway. Like whether you score something high or low, someone's going to hate you. So you might as well keep it real. I don't know any right. reviewer who would change the score out of fear of perception. Like people are going to hate you the end. So yeah, I do, <laughs> I do think that with reviews, you know, you're usually pretty siloed off. I mean, I'm sure I'm not in any of these cool discords, but I'm sure there are games press discords where people are talking to each other. I don't know. I think they're probably better off if they don't jump in there and say, what does everybody else think about this game that's being reviewed right now? That could really color your perception because I think it can have a huge impact when the game's released or when like the embargo lifts, just how you perceive a game. You know, like a good example maybe is like, Biomutant, which we talked about in this episode of the podcast, like we recorded that before in the embargoes list. So that's like a good example of exactly what you're talking, Fielding. We're like, that was like a vacuum discussion. Whereas now, I think there'd be a different discussion about Biomutant, even though it's in the same episode you're listening to now. If we recorded that after the embargo lifting, you have a better sense of where everybody else was. It's kind of a more pure, raw discussion before it's like, well, these are going to be the bullet points that we'll remember forever about Biomutant moving on. I think it's, yeah. it's so easy to have that public mass you know just kind of template for this is how this game will be received from now until the end of time moving on it's like well actually there's always a lot more nuance in every game's release but yeah i think one of the, the closest thing that's happened recently to me is maybe outriders because that was a game where it's like the game launches yeah. on it and everybody's playing it at the same time right and there was no like embargo for that it's just like the game launches when it launches and that's when you start playing uh, for, for that, it definitely was this thing of like, I think I had a very weird take about the story. Uh, and I, I basically locked, as soon as I saw people like reactions for Outriders out in the wild, I basically closed Twitter and was like mm. a complete, like, I'm not going to check Twitter at all. I'm just going to play the game and finish it and have it. And like, I, I did have like this feeling on the back of my mind that, that like, I think I'm going to be maybe one of the few people who actually gives a about this game's story uh and like is willing to consider it uh because i think a lot of it is like oh it's like dumb fun or like maybe one of the things i just offhandedly caught um so it made me it actually made me more interested in in diving into that part of it because it felt like okay like here's i i, I kind of know what i think about this game as a whole but it's like leaning into this angle i of like the story um it was something that kind of made me think like oh this will be like something that'll that'll change the review but it felt like uh, exploring more of what I think about this game versus like, well, everyone else likes it, so I guess I'll like it as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, it did kind of, I think, to some degree color it, but I think that that is an exception versus, you know, versus like what I think of, you know, something like Resident Evil where it's like, I have a pretty good idea of what I think about this game, and uh, I, but I don't know how anyone else is going to receive it. So you are in that like, am I going to be the one person who really likes it and everybody else hates this game because it feels so <laughs> kind of slapdash in, in a lot of ways of like tonally? Mm -hmm. um, or is everybody going to be on the same page as me? Uh, so yeah, yeah like I, I think it, it, it reviews tend to happen in a vacuum, I think. It, and the time, so there is that context to consider, I think is the exception and not the rule. Yes. I think too, like really quick, because I mean, I feel like we could talk about this literally forever, but um, so often I've seen readers sort of feel like, 
oh, it feels like all the critics hate this game or all of the critics love this game. And obviously there's plenty of games where people are, are split on reviews. But I think one of the reasons that happens is not because we're all like texting each other. It's just because I think a lot of us have similar analytical sensibilities from writing a lot about games and mm. talking a lot about games that that's why, you know, some critics are in. It's just part of the differentiation. Some critics have commonalities with others. I remember uh, writing my review for, um, gosh, what I'm blanking on the name. Don't not tell me why. Cause that, yeah. that, 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 uh, that pop song, uh, tell me why. And I, I wrote it and then I, I, after I wrote it and the review was out, then I kind of read a few other people's reviews and a few uh, people had very similar comments to what I had. That's not because we like, texted each other and said like oh well, we both agree this thing but I, and I, I remember being like oh that's really cool like this critic that I also respect like had a similar reading and they had a, cer- a certain you know analysis of it that you know was the same as my perspective or someone else had a different one because they had a different background like that just comes with the nature of of being I think in the industry for a while where you will hear a lot of the same comments from some critics because surprise like we we are, can be similar people despite right. being different yeah, yeah, and I, like it is so funny to me how quickly people are, are like whenever a game that people really were excited about, uh, everyone jumps to the conclusion of like, oh, I, like all the critics hated this game because like you know it's some campaign to to hate on the publisher or whatever. Where it's just like, well, what, maybe they just gave the game to a number of people and they all just came to kind of similar conclusions about it, like, uh, which is like the thing that y- is usually the case. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Dowdy says, Geronimo, Maxers, my brother and I are wannabe adrenaline junkies. We've been skydiving, and in a few weeks, we're free diving with sharks. Good God. Get out of there, Joseph. Uh, <sighs> have any of you ever participated in anything you would call extreme? If not, would you ever consider it? I think a Minmax Go skydiving feature would be very cool. <laughs> Joseph, uh, that would be very fun. You're in luck, Joseph, because if you want a sliver of that we literally did a feature back at game informer called game informer go skydiving so if you go to game informer's youtube channel and search skydiving you can see me scared s-less jumping out of a plane uh if you're oh my gosh um is it weird that the first thing i thought of was like doing an ad read as we're skydiving of like cutting to like how does this whole thing operate and then like cut to <laughs> you on a plane and we we and literally you're, jumping, you're, out of you're, a plane. you're doing all of like the 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 ad reads for everything and all and yeah talking about like all the features you unlock of the patreon as you're skydiving that and would honestly make me done. feel a lot less nervous about going if i had like a job to do like okay while i'm before I hit the ground, hopefully smoothly, <laughs> I need to get out the entire plug for the Call Me By Your Game podcast, or else they're going to be pissed. Um, Why did y'all go skydiving? Just like for the vibes? Like, was that? Why? Yeah. Why not? Um, yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a huge coward. And so, like, that was planned for a long time. And I was like, well, I'm going to go along, but there's no universe where I'm actually going to go skydiving. And then we had breakfast before, and it was at that breakfast <laughs> that I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and do this. And it was like the best way to do it because then I wasn't dreading it for like months. It's like I had very little time to dread it before I was just in the plane, no way out. Not technically, I guess you could say you didn't want to go. But they were diabolical because they told us that like, okay, um, the parachute is set to pop at this altitude. So even if you black out, both you and your instructor black out or whatever, the, the parachute will still go off. But then they said that like, and that's why you need to jump, because if you stay in the plane, the, air pl- the parachute will go off and it'll be a disaster. 
as the plane's like descending. And now that I think about it, that makes zero sense. But that's what they told us. That's like a nice way to get our asses out the door. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, that has to be a a placebo of like, yeah, like just to something to calm you down of like, yeah, you'll be fine. Yep. No, but seriously, pull the cord when you. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to watch this. It's only four minutes long. Also, I'm, I think it's hilarious because it's a 2012 video. Yeah. And um, Tim Turry, I don't know Tim Turry personally. Yeah. Has a Sewer Meat Boy shirt on. I'm like, this is such a 2012 video. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, we make a lot of references to the first season of The Walking Dead um, in that video yeah, as well. Yeah, you can really sense the era um, <laughs> that you're in. Yeah, but it's like, you know, it, I think skydiving falls into that camp with a couple other things. It's like, what are you going to do? Just die and never jump out of a plane? It seems like something that you should experience because it's available. It's not that expensive. It's like, I always No, tell- I'm going to die because I jumped yeah, out of a plane. I'm going to jump out of a plane and die. I no, I have a be- philosophy of, I don't want to die in a way that's too dumb that'd like, be the coolest to be like, way oh to my die God, what happened and then i have to like, people have to explain that i jumped out of a plane on my own volition out of no need You're giving them a it's good like, story yeah that's a best case scenario it's like what what okay yeah you know what uh decapitated by a bus like is that less embarrassing somehow than jumping out of a plane would be like that'd be the I coolest so. way to die Don't i feel you like think? my ancestors would be like this is a real way to go of all the things that <laughs> you could have gone I don't know. That's also, I'm just, I, yeah, I'm too worried something bad would happen. Like, mm, with this, with this hundred something insurance, I don't know if I'd do it, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to ever say never because I'm sure at some point, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? I'm one of those people who just, it like always imagines that the worst possible thing is always going to happen. So, it, and it wouldn't be in like the, like, oh, this is so tragic. It's just like, oh, great. Of course, the, like, the cord rips while I'm jumping. Of course, this happens to me and then I die. I love the idea yeah. of your last thought being bitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'll die mad. Literally what's going to happen. He I, died the way he lived. Annoyed <laughs> and agitated. Kyle, here's what you should do. You should, this summer, just call your brother up and say, I have booked us tickets to go skydiving and we're going on Tuesday. Let's go. Like, it'd be the most memorable thing you've done together for years. Yeah. A good idea. I, I it could like be the most memorable thing you do. Your nonsense is getting to cut off the skydiving thing. <laughs> like use my yeah. promo code Ben at checkout. <laughs> Please do. Um, actually, it's it fun. The person that we went skydiving with, the person that ran the uh, skydiving place that we went to for that video, turns out they were involved in a gigantic drug ring. And there's a I forget what it's called, but there's a whole podcast series about their drug ring, and they were using that plane that we jumped out of to like smuggle drugs from colorado and stuff is crazy what? So you got yeah. the whole introduction like ah, hey everyone like okay i'm gonna give you the instructions my name is el chapo we're gonna have a whole thing it's gonna be fun can you imagine if you worry like, about oh my these God, extra I boxes believe, i can't believe someone actually booked this this is just a front yeah, uh, let's exactly. take him up there oh crap let's, we gotta learn how to do this dollars and said well at some point we're gonna be crossing the border at some point so don't but don't worry about that we'll be jumping later <laughs> talk about multiple streams of income you know mm, it's true yeah it was a good system they had until you know, the law caught up with them. But now who's laughing? Because they get to be the star of a podcast series. Everybody's dream. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jordan Blaney. But hang on, Kyle, would you ever go skydiving? I feel like you wouldn't be fully opposed to it. I don't know. I, may, I, yeah, like I That's kind of where I'm at. Not fully opposed. <laughs> not as opposed as these guys. But like, it's not, it's not 
it's not on my bucket list or yeah. anything, you know. I think I think you being a parent kind of tilts the calculus against it because right. it's like for, for us, we we don't have kids. Like if we die, that's just a fun story that people get to tell about but us. Whereas you leave people behind. You guys are acting like there's a twenty percent chance you'll die. You're more likely to die on the on the car ride to the parachute place than the actual skydive. Well, I work from home now, so. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. We're really. Taking out all the all the challenges here. Yeah, don't leave your house. Uh, Jordan Blaney writes in and says, "Why does it seem like most video game video games based on anime or manga end up being a fighting game? I'd love to see a grid based My Hero Academia RPG. It's a very good specific mm. request. Can y'all think of there other ways? There's a mobile game coming out that looks maybe might be what you're looking for. But Ooh. I think because I run into that a lot too. I watch a lot of anime. I like anime. I like." video games based on anime but the the problem is if you look at something like my hero academia which is a great show that i love like it's about super powered characters who fight each other yeah <laughs> like, you know i mean that's kind of it's kind of what it is you know like i i kind of i always i always get bummed when it's like oh my hero game oh it's like a fighting game like i get that a lot with various anime that i enjoy but it's kind of but at the same time i'm like yeah all right i get it you know, it makes sense, uh, like thematically. You know, it's it, it is the easy genre for the things that people like about those series to come through. Of like, here's a lot of exaggerated yep. characters with a lot of cool powers uh, that are like that frequently go up against each other, right? Like they're like in a My Hero Academia RPG, like who are the fighter enemies, right? Like how does that work? Like you have to think about that structure a lot more if you you know, go outside that genre. My problem is that it's always the wrong kind of fighting games. That it's always like the, the 3D kind of like oh, right. arena battle fighting games. And it's so very rarely the Dragon Ball fighters, although that's that's becoming uh, more yeah. common now. But I like, like that you just call them the wrong a, type of fighting games, 3D fighters. Well, yeah, well, like 3D, like there's a difference between something like Tekken and those My Hero games. Like yeah. uh, that specific type of genre game, I feel like I just never, I don't, I don't, I don't think they figured that genre out in a way that is like, breaking through beyond like oh i like the show and i played this and i thought it was fun um but yeah it, it feels like the easiest genre to to map that kind of like shonen anime yeah. thing onto i think i mean i think one of my favorite examples in like talking about reviews and reviewing them in a silo like i will forever be one of if not the highest review score on it but one piece world seeker which was a, an open world action game that gave you luffy's ability to stretch his arms and like fling yourself around this open island like that was the best like thing that could have been done with that uh ip i think you know like i would much rather play that than an, a one piece uh fighting game you know so. yeah yeah it's just like a good it seems like the not that they're cheap or easy but i think making a full rpg is a tall order compared to let's make a fighting totally. game um, I mean, also, especially shonen anime is so character focused. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like the fun thing about it is like learning about all these characters and what makes them unique, and that's 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 great fodder for fighting games. You know. Yeah. Uh, Fred DeNovo submits a question over on Patreon asking, "Do you have any games that you wished you had played sooner?" either back when they were in the zeitgeist or maybe an earlier game in the series, it was hard to go back to with improvements made in the sequels. My example is that I wish I played Undertale when it first came out. That game is Charm Incarnate. So yeah, a game you wish you'd played sooner. So for me, it's basically the full genre of like 16-bit RPGs. Like I was <laughs> uh, at a friend's house just going through all their games and they had Final Fantasy, I think Mystic Quest. And I was, I played it like in the middle of their save and I was like, you can't jump. There's no like right. levels. You just walk around and then you have to do menu selection. This sucks. And yep. like 
for years it turned me off of the idea until I eventually found like Super Mario RPG and then I found Earthbound and then I found Chrono Trigger and played but never beat Final Fantasy 6 and it was very much like I wish I had understood the value of why these games were interesting when I was younger like because I liked story in games I would have loved these mm-hmm. um, but my my first taste was so bad that it turned me off uh, for a long time yeah I mean that's a good one I mean I got into console gaming so late that I feel like so many of those could be wrapped up like oh man if I played Chrono Trigger right when it came out I would my body would be lined with Chrono Trigger tattoos. Like I would be all in on the game instead of just like really loving it like I do now. But yeah, it's not the best example. I was thinking of Metal Gear Solid One. I, I it felt like an eternity, and I was really late to the party. In reality, it was like I didn't play it until the year two thousand, right when I got my PS two. So it was like two years after it came out. Um, but it felt like, oh, this old game, I guess I'll finally get around to this. And then it just blew my freaking mind, even though it was, you know, last gen at that time. Um, but I remember I didn't play it because I was a diehard GameSpot fan and their review was like lower than most. And so it was a combo of Jeff Gersman giving it an 8.5, which in my mind was like trash, only play nines and above, you know, cool child stuff. But then I remember also like the header image. I think it was like the title screen or something. It was just like, this looks so boring. I don't even know what I'm looking at here. And boy, was I stupid. But I'm still angry at Jeff Gersman for not giving it a higher score. But I understand. Then an 8.5? For Metal Gear Solid 1? Cyril's review energy is coming out strong. For Metal Gear Solid 1. I believe the name under the, the review said, great. Yeah, but still. You'll be like, I feel like you didn't mean it, though. I'm like, excuse you. I remember he's even talking about it. He's talking about the Bombcast about like, ah, it's it's short if you skip all the cutscenes and it's a lot of cutscenes, which I totally understand. But Cyril, can you imagine playing Middle Gear Solid for the first time and give it an 8.5? I mean, I I didn't even play it until like they had that PS2 collection a long time ago, which I feel bad about having sold. But like, uh, I remember that like that game being that is also a game that i wish i could have played because i think a lot of the a lot of the stuff about that game that is int- very interesting i had spoiled for me by then mm, of like yeah. oh yeah the psychomantis thing where he like moves your controller i think that would have broken my mind had i played it you know on an original playstation for right sure. right 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 um but yeah does anybody else have another one that they wish they played sooner all of them. Uh, <laughs> what's that yeah uh, all of them all the games yeah. um no honestly like i i feel like i'm constantly trying to like go back and like then like keep up with now and then go back and like fill in some gaps and it's like i'm building a house on a foundation that i'm also building but not literally because i don't think you need to like have played older games to be able to criticize current games but yeah i wish i could go back to my childhood and be like this is what you're gonna do and you will do it so much better and have so much more to say if the if you can believe that's possible if you just <laughs> just start, start playing everything yeah just start playing everything for sure uh, Ryan Foshi. So oh, I want to hear Serials. He, yeah, oh, I cut him yeah. off. Oh, yeah. This is like a much smaller example, but I think uh, 13 Sentinels is a game I wish I had played last year so I could have talked about it more like yeah. towards the end of the year because I feel I yeah. played it like January of 2021. And I, that, that definitely would have come up for more if I had played it then because I think it is one of my favorite games of, la- of last year. Oh, wow. There it is. There I was is, uh, up late with uh, my wife. We were chatting and she had this moment. She was kind of quiet and then she's like, you know what? I keep thinking about 13 Sentinels. I think it's one of my favorite games of all time. Wow. Like she was like ready to like put it up on top of that list. Like she was just, yeah. Yeah, it was like it, this it, sort it, of like, you know what? I'm ready to admit it. I think it's one of my favorites ever. The, the thought I keep coming back to with that game is that it feels like 
they crammed the entirety of a med- of the Metal Gear series into one game with the Force Knight to actually plan it out ahead of time. That is how interesting. wild that it's game like is. It's a Metal Gear day. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. every day is a Metal day. Gear day here. Every day is a Metal Gear day, yes. <laughs> Uh, Ryan Fushi says, hey, Min Maximillionaires, I have a question for Janet. I'm also a former English teacher. By the way, um, Janet, the name Janet. Yes. What what do people bring up a lot with that? Do people have like good oh, cultural no. touchstones? I'm yeah. not even fishing for one in particular, but like what do people, I think it's an interesting name that we've never talked about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, like what people like nickname wise or troll wise? Like yeah, what, nickname what wise. Or do people like? Is there a famous Janet? I'm not thinking of that, Janet Jackson. Of course, that was the main one I got a lot. Interplanet Janet and um, that song that goes, "Damn it, Janet, I love you." I've never watched Rocket Horror Picture Show. Stop telling that to me. Um, <laughs> everyone, just don't don't say any of those things to me. I've heard them so many times, and people always act like it's the first time that anyone's ever said it. But right. those are the three. Those are the three. Jan yeah. Jackson, Rocky Horror Picture, Interplanet Janet. Who's Chandler's girlfriend? And Janice. Janice. Completely, completely different. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I lucked out. Just barely slipped by. Really dodge it. You must have been <laughs> horrified on behalf of Children of America and also yourself personally during like the Janet Jackson Super Bowl thing because you're like, oh no, now Janet is back that. in the news like, and I have to deal with this people, name people comparison. Didn't, people didn't mention it. I feel like I'm not even sure... Uh, people wouldn't even mention it to, in any com- comparative way. I mean, I don't, I don't sing or anything, uh, and I nor do I do other things that happen to Janet Jackson. But um, <laughs> no, people would just say it more like a oh, like Janet Jackson. Like it was kind of oh. just like a like a fun fact for people. So right, but yeah, right. I did hear that a lot. Yeah, this is dumb. I always think of damn it, Janet. But I always think of there was a Family Guy episode called that. But that's a Rocky Horror reference, <laughs> is it? it? Yeah, I mean, it could be Family Guy. Like like pulling on sure, yeah like I'm it's sure a song it from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay, Damn it, Janet, I love you. I don't know how the rest goes. That's all anyone ever says to me. <laughs> and you can make Janet sing it if you support MinMax at the fifty dollars <laughs> tier with your custom thank you video. Anyways, uh, Ryan Foshi writes in. Let me get to the question, y'all. Uh, he says, "I'm a former English teacher in the middle of a career shift. Did Janet ever bring your love of games into the classroom?" One of my favorite yeah. one of my favorite memories was when we had a field day at the middle school and one of my kids brought his switch. I picked up a pair of Joy-Cons and we proceeded to have one-on-one battles in Smash. Oh, that sounds lovely. Yeah, uh, that's really cute. Um absolutely. I had a um so at my high school that I taught at, we had like seminar days essentially where as a teacher you would host like one or two uh seminars, students sign up for it. I had one that was like a study hall period and then one that was uh like nerd club and it was mostly gaming, but like faculty kind of want to like make it more generalized. So I'm like, uh, you can game or just do your nerd stuff. You got cards, you want to draw as long as it's not like creepy or weird. Yeah, just chill out. And I brought in like so much like stuff. Uh like I brought in a bunch of like monitor like like little TVs to set up. I brought in like my Switch. Um, some older stuff, like someone donated a 360 to me. So I like brought that in and just kind of set up these little stations. Uh, and it was awesome. Like the kids played, uh, you know, they were really into their, the, the Wii U and they played a lot of, um, 3D world. Uh, I don't think I have this video anymore, unfortunately. And it didn't have any, you know, students in it for obvious reasons, cause they're minors, but I had a recording of them playing like just the screen and you could hear them in the background playing and they're doing a, like, is it called victory road? That's super hard area in 3D oh, yeah. world. Yeah. They were playing that. You can imagine how that went. And they were like, no, Luigi, Luigi, Luigi. Like it was just, it was complete chaos and they had such a good time with it. And I, I really loved, um, you know, being able to bring in those insights, show them stuff they never had played before. Like, um, you know, I think like they asked 
about, oh God, like the NES controller. They're like, oh, why doesn't it have like rumble in it or some like weird questions oh, that fun. you wouldn't think of. Um, or I remember them playing the PSP for the first time and trying to open the UMDs, which I also did when I was a kid because <laughs> I didn't understand what a UMD was. Um, little stuff like that. And just overall, I really liked it as a way to teach kids how to be good to each other. I know the gaming community obviously can be very contentious, but I think learning how to be good about playing games is so beneficial to sharing, being good at winning, being good at losing, being good at taking turns, um, being good at like including people who maybe aren't as skilled as you, especially in games where you could be really awesome or kind of a beginner. So, you know, I, I really tried to focus it on that. And uh, yeah, a lot of middle school and a little bit of the high school kids. Um, they got really into, I did, uh, I, I showed them this indie game called Kid Trip. It's like a platformer on Switch. It's pretty hard. So I was like, let's see if anyone can beat this game. It's like very a very short game. And I'm like, if anyone can beat the game, I'll give the, a prize of, I think like a dollar or like $5. And one of the kids, because the game was less than $5, one of the kids bought the game, trained at home and was like, I've been practicing all oh my week. God. And they came in and they beat the game and they were so proud. And we took like a little picture of them and their little prize. Like, <laughs> yeah, they were adorable. And I, I had a, a blast doing that. Uh, and then fun side, I also at a summer camp taught game design for a brief period. Very oh. simple, though. Drag and drop coding. But, you know, they made like fake Pong, fake Pac-Man, different like little stuff. Yeah. You're legally yeah. required to call it fake Pong, fake Pac-Man. Otherwise, yeah, fake Pong. No, they'd you kick can't down the freaking door. <laughs> Dumb Pac-Man, you called it. <laughs> <laughs> Another Pac-Man no. game? Yeah. We were making Pac-Man 99 before anyone. It was wild. Smart. No, this was Mrs. Pac-Man. This one's Mary. <laughs> legally the thing. MRS. Yeah. Uh, John like, don't, tell, don't tag Nintendo in these. <laughs> John Skovic uh, says, all right, Min Max, you're at a diner slash general American food slash buffet sort of place and the only menu item is appetizer sampler now this sounds like my kind of restaurant what are the three appetizers you'd want to be included they have everything and it's all good you don't need to consider making the whole table happy or anything this is just for you so ideal three appetizers on an appetizer sampler this is maybe the most controversial one but i think a lot of places will offer you wings sometimes as an appetizer so I think yeah. that one is good enough to be a meal sometimes. So oh, I think yeah. that one should go on there. I agree. I'm offended on behalf of Winx. I'm a big Wings fan whenever it's lumped into that appetizer realm because it, it disincentivizes me from wanting Wings in some way where it's like, well, I know they'd fill me up, but it's in this section of the menu. So maybe it isn't going to yeah. be like hearty enough. I, I don't think I've ever gone into a restaurant and said like, I'll have a thing of Wings and a hamburger. <laughs> Like that right. is like yes. that is way too much. But I think the idea is that you're supposed to share them, so it's almost like like just having them on the appetizer menu is that like get some wings, but like not all of them. Like mm. share them a bit, you know. Like have give each person like one or two wings, right? Okay. Okay. Are we making our communal? Maybe this is the way to go. Let's figure we out. We can what... all add a few, I guess. Yeah, but, but they're, they're like, only I like, three I love, I love some sliders, like burger sliders. I oh, love no, really? no, no. Just give me a what? face. That's what a burger's <laughs> for. Don't get a smaller <laughs> version of a better thing for your appetizer. I, I support small Thank burgers. You. It's they're they're yeah, cute and they're delicious. Yeah, you can, you can get, you can get different a, kinds of them too. You can only get one burger. I'm not yeah, saying they're better than a single burger, but yeah. the variety. When else can you eat like four different burgers? Okay, you can't. yeah, like that's that's that's. 
when it comes to eating, like I like having, I would rather have like three smaller, different burgers with different flavors than one. Commit. I got to commit to this whole. Okay, burger, I know, you know you're scared of commitment. Um. Okay, what about this? <laughs> yeah, I've only been married for over <laughs> three hundred years. Uh, You've only made two of the biggest commitment a human being can make. <laughs> yeah. Own my house, have a child. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, the problem with sliders is it's too easy to think of them as a snack instead of like, mm. I think you have like two or three sliders and that's effectively a one burger. So it's like, if you have five sliders, that's like almost, that's like too much. Well, what but it's is like, it's so easy to just have, I'll just have one more slider. Cause it's like, what it's like a shot, right? Like you, you have the one of them and, and it doesn't feel significant until you've had like six yeah. of them. And it's like, suddenly it's way too well, much. Cereal, what it's like, you... it's like cutting a donut in half and eating it like, you know, 20 and then, minutes and, apart. Yeah, and, and then, then you pretend you haven't eaten a full yeah. donut. Yeah, right, yeah, right, exactly. But uh, uh, as you a wise throw some man, chicken strips on there. What do you guys? Oh. How do you guys feel about spinach artichoke dip? You guys into that? I like it, that. It hits. It does hit. Yeah. Hits you know what? Me and Kyle, we can just go eat by ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> These are all sliders. I mean, and our spinach sliders, dip. Spinach We're talking like all Ben's jumping out of planes. We'll yeah. be in sliders. Hall of Fame appetizer. You gotta have mozzarella sticks as one of the three, right? Oh yes. That is like jalapeno poppers would be one of my three. Ooh. Okay. What? No, you know I'm what? Right. Well, I'll, now no move more. to the We're other not together. <laughs> oh, I, I think you need to have like, like a, a, a chips or chips equivalent, yes. something yes. that lasts a long time. See, this, this is because like if you bring mm. out four sliders and like that's your appetizer, you eat what you each eat mm. one per like one slider. But like y'all forgetting, this is a theoretical appetizer only restaurant where only us. Oh, we're the only ones eating the three appetizers. Yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, if we want to each pick one, that's fine. But you know, like mm. it's it's not. It's not what do you order when you order appetizers. Mm-hmm. It's what are the three best appetizers. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, you're really focusing on the text here of the questions, Janet. We appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's also, it's like, it seems weird to even call it an appetizer, but yeah, chips and salsa, I mean, that's top three food on planet Earth for my stupid tongue. So if that counts as an appetizer, that's got to be one of these, yes? That's a respectable yeah. choice. Thank you. Okay, so dip, too. Yeah. With any Fried kind of pickles? Meat. Yeah. Get out of here. How do, I feel like nachos uh, are good because I, I don't have yeah. other. There's not a lot of context where I can even eat nachos. Um, okay. <laughs> I literally like, has disappeared. Um, He's turned just, into audio. He's like, you know what? I, <laughs> I can't just broke do this the anymore. podcast. Trying to sublimated into audio. <laughs> oh crap! He made yeah, it. He went to go get some sliders. Um, <laughs> yeah, because like nachos, you can only really eat them as an appetizer, or if you're at like a sporting event, maybe, or like the movies. Yeah. Those are kind of the only like I'm not making nachos at home. Have you ever made not like I have? Oh, yeah. I I've made nachos at home, but it's definitely because I. I want to add more to them than I think would be like socially acceptable at a restaurant. <laughs> no. Uh, what, what about this? If this is, you know, they say they're all good. Yes. What about you go for some gyoza pot stickers? Mm, I mean, yeah, that's, I think you can eat a lot of them. Yeah, that's up there. I don't think I've hit my limit. But since it's for like Amer- an American. Re- I that's mean, true. Pot American stickers culture are, is, is, is taking all other cultures. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, like, you, like when you eat, like it's, from everything, but when I think of like American, I think of like like Denny's energy, you know, like like mm-hmm. buffet energy. Which yeah. buffets have other other cultural stuff? But that's why I, I think, wouldn't put pot stickers on there. Yeah, I could see pot stickers at a buffet, but yeah, I, I hear you. What kind of buffet is it? An American buffet? I feel like not an Amer- <laughs> not an American buffet, like old yeah. country buffet, for instance. You're saying does anyone know what that buffet is? I don't actually know. Oh how, yeah, so the question is, country buffet is: Do they have pot stickers at old country buffet? That's the question. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. like, like, because I'm thinking like an like an American, like American style 
place. Blooming Onion, someone said in the chat. Does that mean anything oh, to anyone? Uh, yeah, that's oh, yeah. Well, uh, Outback oh, yeah. Steakhouse. I was going to suggest that, but I think that's so specific to Outback Steakhouse that I don't know if, I don't know if we can get that there. <laughs> yeah, I don't we think there's some onion rings. Close. We can but. get whatever we want because it doesn't exist. Yeah, sure, right. why not? Well, Blooming Onion. Just, yeah, oh, Blooming yeah. Onions, like five of those. Um, hopefully we've made everybody very hungry uh, listening to this, but I think we can all agree <laughs> that we're locking it down on mozzarella sticks, chips and salsa, and pot stickers. I think there's just no more debate <laughs> after that. That just has to be uh, the group's. Also, you'd get so sick if you ate all of these. That's the other thing I was thinking of. I was like, we're eating these all at once because some of these combinations don't fit. <laughs> we'll make them fit. Uh, now it's, oh wait, we're going to choose our favorite. Uh, Kyle, what do you think? Question of the week. Uh, I liked the appetizers one just now. Um, mm. We talked a lot about reviewing things in a silo. Yeah, uh, that's true. I like games that. you wish you played. I like that one. Um, yeah, yeah. And then the gut wrenching moments I think are good too. So yeah, I like. I like games you wish you played. That's kind of where I'm leaning a little bit. I like the adrenaline one. I like the reviews in a silo. I think that was the biggest conversation starter. That was the biggest talker. Yeah. Yeah, Janet, yeah. you lean in the direction. You know what? I'm going to give it to the extreme question <gasps> because I think it it went the most surprising places. That's true. There you go. All right. Yeah. All right. I think that sounds good. Cyril, you can live with that? Yeah. I'll oh. live with it for the rest of my... No, yeah. yeah. You're going to have to. <laughs> Until you jump out of that plane. <laughs> That's the most extreme right. thing you've ever done is lived with this decision. <laughs> uh, congratulations. I mean, that is the most extreme thing people will do in their lifetimes is live with a heavy decision. That is true. Great point. Let's all freak out a little bit. Um, Joseph yeah. Dowdy, congratulations. Uh, you've won a mystery prize from I Am 8-Bit. They will ship that out to you soon. Thanks to everybody that submitted a question over on Patreon. If you support us at any tier, you can submit a question and win a wonderful prize from I Am 8-Bit in the future. And now it's time for something we like to call Get a Load of This. Surreal, what do you got, mm. big papa? Yeah, speaking of uh, food and uh, various sizes thereof, uh, there is an account called Non-Standard McDonald's, which is, I think, is a must-follow account. So oh yeah. Show you here, here's like a weird area or restaurant that was retrofitted into a McDonald's, or like here's just this foreign uh, McDonald's that just looks wild. But uh, this is not about any of those. This is about uh, you know last year in the midst of a, a pandemic, and, you know, and, uh, people not going outside. I think there was this kind of small undercurrent of just like businesses doing really weird things. For example, <laughs> the non-standard McDonald's account highlighted a quarter pounder memorial in Rapid City, South Dakota, that is just this huge statue of a quarter pounder with cheese. And it looks like what you imagine, like here's like we're honoring, you know, like <laughs> in memorial. Uh, like, yeah, uh, like the World War II memorial or something. And it's just like this bronze statue of the McDonald's quarter pounder. <laughs> That's um, amazing. And, well, hold on. Yeah. Is it like, is it a photo, like advertisement quarter pounder or like quarter pounder you order and they hand you at the restaurant? It is, it is like what it looks. It is how it looks in the ads. I think. I okay. Think okay. Maybe misrepresenting the quarter pounder a little bit, but <laughs> uh, apparently. So apparently, uh, this is from the non-standard McDonald's. It says after winning a countrywide competition, this Rapid City location was chosen as the home for this memorial honoring our national heritage. That's beautiful. And, and then he goes on to say, uh, yeah, like critical information about the statue, which is I guess in the description. Uh, wait before cooking for ounces. Statue is not edible. Uh, but I, I have to imagine a lot of it, a lot of these texts is it feels photoshopped, so maybe uh, is not real. But yeah, the idea of like in 2020, McDonald's decided to create a statue for its hamburger is uh, very weird. That is beautiful. 
Um, I know we've been on a real kick here. Um, last Friday on MinMax's YouTube channel, if you've never checked it out, go subscribe. We'd appreciate it. Um, there's a lot of fun stuff on there. Uh, we released footage of a UFO sighting that I filmed in 2016 and talked a lot about kind of the resurgence of talking about UFOs and aliens and all that stuff is Kyle and I. Kyle, people come out of the woodwork, man. It is fascinating. When you release UFO footage, you start getting some emails. And like the amazing thing is all, well, so many of the YouTube comments. A lot comments, of people telling you that it's just lanterns a lot of people saying those are sky lanterns you <laughs> idiot which is still debatable um but i appreciate the feedback um but then like so many people in the discord are talking ufos and it's very fun to see everybody sharing their stories in the comments and stuff so anyways my get a load of this is uh, i stumbled across this video that's eight minutes long and it's of a uh, ufo sighting in new york city where it's just people on the streets of new york like looking up at these lights in the sky that are slowly rotating and then like more come into play but this is, it was posted on October 15th, 2010, just eight minutes of raw footage of this UFO setting in downtown New York. And it was posted by CBS News. It's like a good timestamp of like, yeah, back in 2010, people didn't really know what to do with YouTube. So just let's just upload eight minutes of exclusive UFO footage on CBS News's channel. So the link's below for everybody if you want to look at some fun, weird things in the sky with the rest of us. Uh, Janet? Yeah, so mine's a little bit, could get a lot of this. Mine's a little bit unconventional this week. I don't know if this is allowed, but I'm going to do it until someone stops me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been playing a lot of the Vita because uh, I was on vacation. So I was like, that's what you do, you know, Vita for vacation. And I went to the store on the Vita, which is still active. Yay. And I was looking at the top downloaded games. I think there's like about maybe 10 of them on here. Would y'all care to indulge me and try to guess Ooh. the top 10 downloaded games on the Vita? What's the time span? Oh. This is like this month or all time? I think like, I think like as of now, it just says top okay. downloads. Sure, like probably right now. Time. Of all time, I think. Okay. I would, I would, I'm going to oh, lean, wait, of I'm all lean time. some PlayStation okay. Plus titles because I think those probably count and say like Gravity Rush and maybe Uncharted would be on that list because those were free for a time. No. I'm okay. going to guess because you mentioned <laughs> that you were playing it in our Monday meeting. I'm going to guess Sound Shapes. Nah. <sighs> oh, that's a travesty. I'm going to guess. I'm going to go the. I downloaded it though. Good. I'm going to. I'm going to go with the. This is probably the easiest way to play original PlayStation games. So I'm going to say Metal Gear. Mm, no. Chrono Cross. It's actually not. In the most frustrating <sighs> way, you have to download. Mm-mm. You can buy Metal Gear Solid, then you have to download it on your PlayStation Three, and then you have to transfer it from your PlayStation Three to your Vita. It's embarrassing mm. how hard it is. Um. Uh. uh Guacamelee. <gasps> nope. What? I thought. I thought it was such a good guess. I'm trying to think. Yeah, the iconic versions of like. Okay. What games are people choosing to play on Vita? Chat said Killzone Mercenary. That's also no. Oh. But chat, you're welcome to, if you're watching live, try to guess. Yeah, I feel like, like y'all can at least get I, some of these. You would think so. Can you get I, it? I believe. A, a FIFA, maybe? Nope. Um, the NBA, a Madden? Nope. No Peace, sports. Peace Walker? No, no, like, regular sports. There's Ooh. something that maybe... There's a fighting game on here. If you need a hint. I can also give hints. Yeah, or give a hint. No. Um... A Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Yes. Nice. Right. Call of Duty Black Ops Declassified. Uh, no, but okay. chat said Persona. Persona 4 Golden's on oh. here. Oh, of God, course. Chat said Hotline Miami. Also on here. Oh, Chat's Hotline Miami. Oh. That's where I played Hotline All right. Miami. Damn it. I think just let's just go for a few. I'd like to oh, get like, at least maybe one, one more. Nope. Okay, give us a hint, Janet. Um, 
this game is on virtually everything. Minecraft. And Minecraft. yes. <laughs> Do you want another hint? Yeah. Yeah. This game still has uh, it's still an active franchise today. Yeah. This game is a PlayStation exclusive game. Active franchise. This game involves. Uh, well, I don't want to go too too obvious. Um, this game had games on the PS3, on the, the PSP. Nope. This game involves a sad dad. Out of War Collection. Yes. Oh, oh wow! Okay. Wow. Bad dad. <laughs> um, this game is a game that I would download on the PS Vita. Jack and Daxter Collection. Yeah. Because well, now, because okay. the God of War—that's a PSP game. So that, yeah, I think it, I think it might Grand have some the Grand Theft Autos on there. Vice City Stories, Liberty. No, City there's Story? no Grand Theft Auto on there. That was uh, I played this uh, in my household as well. Um, we can edit there. I can read the ones that were missing. I think there is crossover with the PSP store for if that changes anything yeah, for I mean, you. God of War is on there. Yeah. Yeah, um, oh, but there's... Wait, no, no, no. Sorry. The God of War collection on Vita is like God of War 1, right? No, I think so, yeah. Like the two PSP games, isn't it? It says God isn't of it? War okay. collection PS Vita. Um, I could click into it and read more of the nah. skew. It's 15 bucks, if that helps. But like, um, <laughs> other ones that were on here were uh, God Eater 2 Rage Burst. Hmm. Oh, Salt okay. and Sanctuary. Huh. Okay. Borderlands yeah, 2. Yep. A game uh, that recently got ported to Switch. That I know some of us have played. Metopia. Uh, Fez. <laughs> Fez, yes. Fez okay. and then Hot Miami, as mentioned. Um, wow. But yeah, oh, those weird. are... Anyway, but Perfect. I played this with my household too and like a lot of people did guess GTA and stuff like that. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Like some of those did feel like, oh yeah, I should have remembered that. And then a few yeah. really surprised me. So I don't know. Maybe this is where I'll start the rest of my Vita journey. But mm, I thought that was good. interesting. Unfortunately, yeah. Janet, that's not allowed for a get a load of this. Um, <laughs> well, it is too late. It will be stricken from the else, I have no backup. <laughs> Uh, uh, Surreal, did you have one? Yeah, I had yeah, the, the quarter pounder one. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Kyle. Um, yeah. Uh, Kyle, Can did you, you say go it already? again? <laughs> so get a lot of it. Kyle, did you go? Am I no. Okay, you go then, Kyle. <laughs> do you want to hear it? Yes. Do you care? I do, I do. Yes. You want to hear Surreal's again? Would you rather It'd do that? It'd be nice if you'd be so kind. <laughs> hey, get a load of this. This is, a, this is a YouTube video uploaded in 2011, uh, but it's from an interview that's much older than that. Uh, it has 1.8 million views, and it's an old interview with a young Bill Gates, where for some reason the person interviewing him asks him if he can jump over a chair, and he <laughs> confirms that he can in fact jump over a chair, Yeah. and then he gets up and jumps over the chair that he was sitting in. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that. How did you stumble yeah. across this again? Was it just like Bill Gates is in the news for philandering around? I've never seen it. I was someone was like, "Oh, this reminds me. All this Bill Gates stuff reminds me of the time he jumped over a chair." I was like, "What?" And it's it's yeah. like an eighteen second video of him being like, "Yeah, I'm Bill Gates. I can jump over a chair. Watch this. That's really funny." It, it was That's weird. Good I, at one point, I made a a Smurf account to play Dota with my friends because I I had played so much of it that I like. You know, they would just can get completely trashed. So the the best way would, would be to just make a new Steam account. And my username was depends on the size of the chair, which is a line <laughs> he says in that video. <laughs> and, so, and my, yeah, my was, icon back when it was cool to like like uh, kind of like billionaires in this way before we kind of find out they all kind of suck was like this picture of Bill Gates, and it just my username was depends on the size of the chair. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's right up there with uh, Ellie can swim from the stream the other day. That's yeah. right. Yeah, Ellie, now Ellie can swim. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that Ellie we, can for, swim now. for a knockout city in that stream on our YouTube channel. Um, hey, uh, the community shares uh, get a load of this is uh, all the time in the Discord, and uh, this is a format that's been done to death. But I still love it every once in a while to put things in perspective. Uh, Toby, aka Random uh, Gammer, shared this tweet from Chris Chapman saying that uh, on May 23rd, 2021, Skyrim is as old as Morrowind was on Skyrim's release day. Hmm. Isn't that an insane thing yeah. to think about? Time keeps moving. Time, it just thought, like, keeps moving. Oh, wait, yeah, what's Morrowind with that? and Skyrim? And so Skyrim? Morrowind and Skyrim Oh, yeah, I thought it was, I would say closer. it was Oblivion and Skyrim, and I was like... Really? That feels factually wrong. But no, Morrowind makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, it has, turns out it's been a long time since Skyrim came out. Ten years. Yeah. I mean, to, I mean, to be fair, like it, back then all they made was Elder Scrolls. They hadn't made a Fallout game, and since then they've made two Fallout games. Two um, and a half. That is kind of interesting to think about. And also I think it has a lot three, to do actually. with it. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, but like the fact that uh, games are so much harder to make now and they require so many people it's like i think the release dates between entries is getting way longer now yeah. as a whole yeah sir you'll stop thinking too much about this it's just Sorry. supposed to be one of those whoa we're old things so just yeah. if you could relish that we'd appreciate whoa. it thanks thanks we're Janet. old You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see coming up uh this week at minmax uh we have our bonus episode of minmax council uh which is our patreon exclusive podcast that we post every single monday uh the last sunday of every month we have a call-in episode so if you support us at the 20 dollars tier the minmax council tier you can call in and podcast with us about whatever you'd like we take all calls from everybody at that 20 dollars tier so it's not too late so if you're listening to this you can call in, but here's the catch. It's not happening on Sunday because of Memorial Day weekend. We're recording it on Thursday. So if you're listening to this early and you want to jump up to that $20 tier, uh, you can call in to MinMax Council and talk to myself and Sarah Podzorski, uh, MinMax's streaming compatriot. And you can talk to us about whatever you'd like, your favorite game of all time, a game you're playing now, some deep cut for MinMax, some question about our future. We'll take it all. So thanks everybody for the support and thanks everybody who jumps up to that $20 tier just for one month. Give it a whirl. Um, also, we had an interview that went live earlier this week uh, with Giles Goddard, who is a name you might not be familiar with, but he's had an absolutely fascinating career where he was a programmer on Star Fox. He was then brought internal to Nintendo where he worked on 1080 as a programmer, the N64 game. He is the guy who came up with the opening to Super Mario 64, the big Mario face that you can adjust and tweak. And so it's a fun interview where he talks a lot about working with Miyamoto that closely, working within Nintendo, some old stories about Nintendo in the 90s, the brutal crunch that it took for the programmers to actually get Mario 64 out the door, the history of the N64 controller. And he tells this fascinating story about working on the earliest prototype for Legend of Zelda on the 64, uh, where he created portals much like the game Portal, where they're like crystals that you can move around in Hyrule Castle to like see through and then jump to a different location, um, which uh, was a fun tidbit. So you can check that out on MinMax's YouTube channel or support us at the $5 tier on Patreon to unlock the podcast version of that interview. All of our interviews, The Deepest Dive, like Mass Effect's Deepest Dive, which is happening right now. So you can unlock the podcast version of that. The next episode is going to be coming up next week. So we're covering on Monday... Uh, what is that? Yeah, May 31st, we're covering Artemis Tau, Noveria, and Pharos in that game. So play through those sections and then submit a comment and we'll read it for the second discussion there. Um, let's see, Kyle, anything else I'm forgetting? 
uh, Deepest Dive on Friday. Oh, not Deepest Dive, I'm sorry. Uh, Max Spoilers. Yeah. Returnal. Me and Jacob Geller and Grant Bulmer. Yeah. Star of Hitman 3 Talk Grant. about Returnal, the ending, the secret ending. Great game. Great story. There it is. Won't say more than that. Um, oh, also, we hit um, 2,500 supporters on Patreon, which has been our goal for so long. So thanks to everybody who has supported us to get us closer and closer to that goal. We hit it, which means we're going to be recording commentary tracks for the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy the extended editions it's going to be a marathon but we're going to rotate through cohorts and more uh, to, create uh, to create commentary tracks for those and those will be coming up in the near future so uh, our sincerest thanks to everybody who supported us and let us hit that goal that's fantastic we really appreciate it and if you have ideas for our next goal leave a comment jump in the discord let us know we'd love to hear it that'd be fun all right Thanks so much, everybody, for watching and listening, and especially thanks to MinMax's $50 supporters. Uh, if you support us to the $50 tier, you can get your name read on every episode of the podcast and also get a custom thank you video from all of us. So thank you to Fixer Gaming, Call Me By Your Game Podcast, I'm 8-Bit, Rainmaker.gg, Merco Rico Terreno, Zachary Pliggy, Beaten Down Brian, Andrew Yukerwitz, Jawar Hello, Real FTV, Mark Selga, Ludwig Roque, PrettyGoodPrinting.com, Andrew Valla, Yaro, Spiral In Your Eyes, Richard Smuts, Clint Farley, Spider Dan, Prethum Yarlagada, Clayton Myers, Starkiller, Steve Bamdad, Jesse Vitelli, and Slick Nick. Thank you so much, everybody. Be good, have fun, let's go. Bye.